The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Welcome back to Cancelled Too Soon! Not Cancelled Too Soon unto itself. That's right, because we're still going. <laughs> we, 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 we've had a time. Anyway, this is the podcast where we review TV shows that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic. And William, what episode number is this? This is episode number 200, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> we we teased you along there for a little bit for a long time, and this was totally an accident, by the way. But basically, what happened was uh, around uh, uh, September, we realized that we were approaching our two hundredth episode, and we were like, "What should we do for our two hundredth episode?" And we were like, "We should do this TV series that we've been intending to do for a really long time, and we get asked about it a lot." But then, uh, what happened? Well, we kind of ran headlong into October, and October is the month where every year. We do all of our horror shows, and so rather Whitney, than give a horror week a miss, yeah, rather than rather than ruin that annual event, Whitney had the funny idea to start using decimal points <laughs> and fractions so that it wasn't quite episode two hundred yet. And then when the time finally came to do Briscoe Kenny Jr., we realized that we were almost out of time to cover Quibi before Quibi got canceled. <laughs> so that became episode two hundred and one. Yes, it was a joke. Some people thought it was funnier than others, but it's funny to me, actually, because I realized that one of the issues that hurts a lot of the shows that we've reviewed on Cancel Too Soon was episodes being aired out of order. Mm -hmm. You may remember that. There have been plenty of shows where episodes were aired out of order, ruining storylines, ruining uh, chronology, screwing up anticipation. The most most grievous example of this was when they played the final episode of Earth 2 Uh before the end of the season. Yeah. So big dramatic things happened at the end of the season. Big big cliffhanger. Like characters died and people were put in uh, cryostasis at the end of the first season. And the next episode, they're alive and everything's okay again. And it was back back to status quo. It was literally back in the middle of the season. And we're actually going to run into an episode like that uh, mm. in this particular episode of Cancel Too Soon because there's one really funny episode where you could tell they kind of lapped themselves and they forgot about an episode so mm. they had to put it later <laughs> and it's really really funny to me but uh, okay. yeah so it's kind of in keeping with the theme of this show that our numbering got messed up that's sure. the excuse I'm giving. <laughs> Justify it in your head all you like, or we just got uh, distracted by life and other things. Look, and 2020 was really put, hard. Put a little a little bit of a hiatus, unintentional hiatus on Cancel Too Soon. 2020 was exceptionally hard. Uh, I myself had multiple deaths in the family towards the end of the year, and then we had technical problems, and there was a lot that went on. None of it's a good excuse, but it is the reason. Mm. So we are exceptionally excited to get this episode done. We are we are thrilled to finally bring you this one so that we can finally move on and get this podcast back on the show road. That road. Get this road. Back on track. 
That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Back on track. So uh, without further ado, let us finally, after all these years, <laughs> for the love of God, actually get to the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. No, wait, that was Jack of All Trades. Uh, hold on, I got a clip around here somewhere. Oh my god, we're never gonna get to it! Oh, uh, wait, no, that's just a clip from Legend. Here we go. This fall. Here she comes. There's a new name for adventure on television. Oh. Oh. Briscoe County Jr. You care to try me? He's all action. You're not an outlaw. No. He's all excitement. And he's about to bust loose. Into your living room. Welcome to the Wild West Fox style. And now the series premiere of the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Fox style. Hooray! <laughs> so Hello? There, there ain't no style like Fox style. They're so proud of that. Mm. Like Fox, yeah, the edgy mm. network. I, one of my favorite jokes. Uh, one of my favorite jokes from the critic was uh, when uh, Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel had split up. Yeah. They said, and, and it's been optioned for all the, like, several TV movies, and here's a version from the Fox, there's a clip from the Fox version. It's just a bunch of, like, young people partying in a room, and one guy shouting, booty, booty, booty. <laughs> <laughs> that, Fox, was, that was the Fox version. Fox was, when Fox <coughs> was just really getting going, because Fox has been around for a few years by now, but... Fox was trying to establish its identity as the hot young people's network. It yeah. was trying to be the CW of its time. Mm. And that's kind of all their big shows were the ones that were kind of edgy. Married with Children mm. was the fucked up hypersexual sitcom. Yeah. Uh, and uh, something like The X-Files would go on to sort of solidify it as this daring, grimdark, you know, network that questions authority. But uh, sandwiched right in there is, I got to say, a show I really love. Yeah, it's a fun one. Uh, the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Uh, this was Bruce Campbell at his peak, I would say. Mm -hmm. It's his, his biggest Bruce, role ever. It, it's a big, he is the lead actor in a uh, one season, but a big long season of television. This 27 was 27 episodes. 27 episodes. Aired on Fox from mm -hmm. August 27th, 1993. Through May twentieth, nineteen ninety four, uh, it was yeah, it was a big, mm -hmm. expensive television series. It was a light comedic adventure western with mm -hmm. science fiction elements. Yeah, uh, I was just the right age. Yeah. <laughs> also, this uh, TV show comes right from this era because I remember we talked about this when we covered the Flash. Uh, there was this period uh, when I feel like. TV writing had really hit its stride. It, it had no, it knew exactly how to do an hour long episodic structure in that little five act, uh, handy little five act uh, box, little package. Yeah. And they knew exactly how to pace these kinds of shows. They knew how to cast these shows. And I feel like shows like the flash and Briscoe County jr. Uh, and other shows I was watching in 1994 mm -hmm. uh, were all really, uh, really had a good eye as to what they wanted their tone to be. They were able to find themselves real fast right around this time. Now this is largely nostalgia goggles. I admit, because mm. I was watching a lot of TV at this time and yeah. I just was keying into a lot of what was going on. 
but I feel like this is just good television writing. This show, I will say this, there, there are bits of this show where I feel like still slow paced compared to a lot of contemporary shows mm-hmm. and sometimes a little bit to its detriment. It feels like they could have, it feels a little padded here or there, yeah. but that's a pretty forgivable sin as TV is concerned. And for the most part, the show can be 100% completely enjoyed today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, anyway, more let's, stats. Let's, let's do some, let's do some stats here. Just, just for the sake of posterity. Uh, this show was created by, uh, Carlton Cuse. This was uh, one of Carlton Cuse's first big projects. Uh, Carlton Cuse would go on to work on such shows as Nash Bridges and Lost and the reboot of uh, Bates Motel, the popular one everyone likes with Vera Farmiga. Uh, and uh, most recently, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. It was also created by Jeffrey Boehm. Uh, so like star Hollywood screenwriter. Oh, this guy is, has a lot of really amazing stuff on his on his uh Credits, uh, including the amazing 1983 adaptation of The Dead Zone, mm. The Lost Boys, Funny Farm, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Lethal Weapon 2 and 3 with uncredited stuff on Lethal Weapon 1, and after The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., The Phantom. Uh, sadly, uh, un- he passed away in 2000, but mm. one can only imagine he would have kept working. Yeah, uh, The Phantom, good screenplay. I think The Phantom... Fun movie. The Phantom was strained against its low budget. Yeah. There's a scene where uh, The Phantom has to leap off of a biplane onto the back of a horse, and that's a, cool in your mind, right? Yeah. But it's it's like this really crappy green screen thing. Like, it looks like a 30s serial, and yeah. not in a good way. No, no, it, it just doesn't quite have mm. the, the oomph that it needs. But as a lower echelon... Uh, entry in the 90s pulp superhero canon alongside like Dick Tracy and Dark Man and the Rocketeer. It's okay. Mm. Pretty good. Um, so, but uh, Briscoe County is actually very much nestled snugly within that genre, actually. This is a pulp cowboy series with a lot of steampunk elements, a lot of sci fi elements, a lot of uh, machinery uh, and mm. technology that would be uh, years, if not many decades ahead of its time, thrown into an mm. episode for fun plot reasons. Uh, it was very knowing and winking. There were a lot of references to contemporary popular culture. Some some you might not notice at first. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene where uh, Julius Carey, who plays the character of Lord Bowler, was sitting just with a little kid who had a bag of something, and he was reaching in and eating things out of the bag. It's like, mm, what are those? Pastries. Oh, these, these are little little pastries. Okay, oh, like little donuts. These are good. Yum, yum, yum. Thank you. And they go about their scene, and at the end, it's like, oh, by the way, kid, what's your name? Oh, I'm Duncan. See you later. Duncan Donuts, I get what you're doing there. Yeah. yeah. They would go sometimes really far out of their way mm. to do these gags that no one in the show would get. It was only for the people in the audience. Like, there's this one bit where someone is uh, at a, giving, like, a eulogy for someone at a funeral. Mm. And they say, well, we don't really have a preacher with us. So uh, the guy just riffs, and every single riff is a Beatles lyric. That's like, right. When I find myself <laughs> in times of trouble, oh, blah, dee, oh, blah, da, life goes on. <laughs> Rah. Like, yeah. uh, one of the, uh, and this was part of the series Bible, one of the mandates of this show was what, and I remember this like in press tours and stuff, because I was excited about this show when it was coming out. This was really heavily hyped. Yeah, it was an expensive program. This was not like mm-hmm. a little minor thing. They thought this was going to be a big deal for the network. Yeah, and and I knew Bruce Campbell from Army of Darkness, which I think uh, came out just before just this show. Just before. Uh, or, or or pretty concurrently with, actually, let me check the date, because mm-hmm. I think that might be the same year, even. Oh, maybe so. I, I don't remember. I got them both at the same time, is, is my point, and those were really, really great. Um, no, the year before. 
year before. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. Okay, so uh, I knew I knew Bruce Campbell already going in, and uh, they kept on talking about uh, th- this was the phrase they used the coming thing, and mm-hmm. uh, it was set 100 years before the present uh, when it, the like show the aired in, in, in yeah 1893 mm-hmm. and. Uh, the whole idea was that Briscoe County Jr. is like on the cusp of big changes, like thing, the Industrial Revolution is about to explode. Mm-hmm. So uh, Briscoe County Jr. is kind of, he's kind of a dying breed, but that's not part of the story. He's mm-hmm. actually part of a breed that is excited to adapt yeah. into this new He's an old-fashioned uh, cowboy Will Rogers types hero, mm-hmm. but he's also incredibly thrilled at the prospect of society getting mm. better of technology improving our lives yeah. and every time one of these gadgets comes along it's not like usually in when sci-fi tackles new technology retroactively or otherwise it's always like oh no there's we've a, invented there's a time a machine of, a bit of a scary element to yeah. it oh no yeah. oh no someone has a submarine well surely they would use it for evil that mm. kind of thing and that sometimes happens. There are sometimes people invent mm. technology and use it for ill, but it's never presented as though the technology is evil. It's just, dang it, that would be useful for crime. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I still think it's neat. Yeah. But uh, I, I appreciate the character of Briscoe County Jr., played by Bruce Campbell, uh, to, to get briefly into the premise of the show. Uh, Briscoe County Sr., who's played by Arlie Ermey in the mm-hmm. show, is killed in the pilot episode by uh, Bly. Well, Bly and his gang. Yeah, his and gang very specifically. He has just captured, I forget the exact number, it's like 50 members hmm. of Captain Bly's of a, of a, of Captain Bly's, Bly. Captain Bly, of <laughs> Bly's that's, gang. That's, that's Mutiny on the Bounty. Uh, Bly is played by the wonderful Billy Drago, who you probably remember hmm. as uh, Needy from The Untouchables. Very inaccurate portrayal of Frank Needy, but a very cool <laughs> villain in that movie. Like, like horrendously inaccurate, but B- Billy, very cool villain. Uh, Billy Drago and... Uh, there, there are a couple actors on this show that they're so good at playing villains, you wonder if they're dickheads in real life. Yeah. And Billy Drago is one of them. I'm sure he's a perfectly decent human yeah, being. Yeah, but he's just got this uh, incredibly but, severe features. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's drawn in a comic book. Like, yeah, just, yeah, and, uh, and yeah. one of his... Uh, his lieutenants is played by MC Ganey, who's also really good at playing horrible villains. And yeah. MC Ganey, you might have seen in films like Breakdown or Django Unchained. Or Carlton Cuse would use him again in Lost. Oh, um, I, I, I didn't see. MC you didn't. Ganey you didn't Lost, watch much. Yeah. yeah, he shows he's got a pretty uh, relatively prominent supporting character for a few seasons. On okay, Lost. I like MC Ganey. Yeah, he's a really good actor. Good actor. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so the idea but is the, that he's early Ermy. Mm. Briscoe Kenny Sr. has captured like 50 of these guys and then as they all escape from a train he opens a door on the train and all 50 of them shoot him. Mm. So now Briscoe Kenny Jr. played by Bruce Campbell isn't just on like a mission to kill the find the man who killed his father. He's got to find the fifty men. All of the yeah, <laughs> killed his. Father. So it gives you like a whole season's worth, at, at least a season's worth. And of course, there's going to be asides and things yeah. that aren't, aren't have nothing to do with the Bly gang uh, because he's a bounty hunter. But what I appreciate about uh, Briscoe County Junior is there's no darkness to him. Not really, he, no. there's no suffering. There's no angst. His father was killed, and but his, he and his father didn't really get on. He's mm-hmm. actually kind of a complex character because he went to law school before he became a bounty hunter so, yeah, so he he's got a lot of about yeah, he's intelligent he's, he cares about he's, the op, law and order he's optimistic and... he's compassionate he's actually uh it's, it's a really counter to type for for bruce campbell yeah because he doesn't get to play intellectuals very often yeah he gets to play a a, a cheery upbeat intellectual in this show 
compare that to Ash, and you look at Ash's arc in the Evil Dead mm-hmm. movies, and yeah. it, he starts out as just sort of this ordinary college kid and becomes a stupid asshole by yeah. the end of his arc. Yeah. He's, he's just cruel and dumb by the end of he, it. He often plays jaded people when he ended up doing Jack of All Trades, which I put a clip of mm-hmm. at the beginning, and I <laughs> loved that show. That show was fun. Uh, he was also kind of a cheery, upbeat guy, but he was also a lout and an oaf and yeah. kind of a sexist pig. And, a little um, bit more like Ash. Yeah, well, he had, yeah, he had like more flaws, I think, than mm. Briscoe has. Because Briscoe is a very charming hero. Mm. And that is kind of the whole point, is he's a charming hero. And, and Bruce, Bruce Campbell Cam- is completely capable of it he's wonderful at it he got stuck in character actor roles for for forever he was uh he's a horror icon Mm. um but it always felt like movie superstardom just barely eluded him sam raimi wanted him to be the lead in dark man and the studio was like no we can't let bruce campbell do that he's he's not famous enough we'll get liam neeson who was also not famous enough at the time like, he had just done, like, Husbands and Wives, where he was, like, the fifth lead. Like, he wasn't Oscar Schindler yet. Like, he was not a major star at the time. So that one always felt, I always thought that sucked. And then he did Briscoe County Jr., which was supposed to be a big thing. And the critics were mostly incredibly kind to it. And the ratings initially were quite good. But they started falling off as the season progressed. Mm-hmm. And it just ended up not really kickstarting his career. And then he wound his way back into horror and, and comic relief for the most yeah. part. Yeah. Uh, his, Which he's also great at, but I feel, yeah, always feel like he could have done more. I feel like his next great role was another TV role, and that was in Burn Notice. I knew uh, I never watched Burn Notice. I, I think never saw like, a single episode. I think you'd like Burn Notice. It's, I'm told. It's, a, it's a, quite an enjoyable show. Yeah, I hear it's yeah. good. But yeah, he pl- but he plays um, he plays one of the main cast, but he's not the main character of the show. And yeah, again, he's like this kind of drinking lout. He says, oh, yeah, spies. They're all little cruel bitches. And uh, <laughs> uh so I appreciate going back to Briscoe County Jr. and seeing just a fun character. Yeah, a young, from... hopeful Bruce Campbell. I mean, yeah. he's handsome. He's oh god, well, yes. he is like stupid handsome. Like he's like chiseled out of marble, like <laughs> classic Hollywood. Like if it was in the silent era, he would have been the biggest star in the world. Yeah, because not only or... not only was he a fun actor, he was a good actor too. He could mm. genuinely act. He was also a wonderful physical comedian. He was incredibly expressive, particularly in his face. Mm. He could do like backflips and somersaults and stuff because Sam Raimi basically forced him to in the (laughs) Evil Dead movie, so he got used to it. He was completely committed to learning the old like cowboy tricks, like how to like twirl guns Mm. or like, you know. Or or just ride a horse. yeah. Yeah, exactly. All these things that were starting to really fall out of favor as the Western genre died out a bit. Mm. TV kept Westerns alive for a while. This was the same time that like Dr. Quinn yeah. Edison woman was on TV and, um, um, and to a lesser extent, Walker, Texas Ranger. Well, that's the modern take, mm. but yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, these skills were slowly being phased out. In fact, this was actually a shot on a studio backlot that they had had just for Western stuff. And then after this show, they basically got rid of it. That's they just didn't have a place for it anymore. And you can yeah, tell well, they reuse the same, like one street over and over again from different angles, especially if you binge it, but it's fine. And, uh, and uh, Westerns haven't really had the gigantic resurgence since then. They tried with Wild Wild West, but that was a bomb. Uh, Deadwood. Uh, Deadwood. Was oh, a big deal. I guess you're right. Deadwood. Deadwood was, was a very, very big deal. Yeah. HBO said, yeah, we'll do a Western, but there's just like cussing and nudity in it. And yeah. That's, that's our shtick. And, I, know oh, I guess I know we also have, what's the one with Timothy Oliphant? Oh, Justify? That's another modern one, though. 
Oh, that's modern. Okay, never that's mind. That's a modern oh, thing. That, there's always... Westerns never die. Mm. But the, they are not currently enormously popular. And so there just isn't as much call for the sets, mm. for the skill set, even, that it takes to be uh, an yeah. old-school Western hero and do all the stunts and all the trick gunplay. And um, Bruce Campbell committed to it and actually did all that good stuff. Yeah. I, I got to interview an actor named A. Martinez once. Oh, and yeah. uh, I, I was looking over his filmography just to prepare for the interview. And I noticed that at the beginning of his career, he just did nothing but Westerns. So I asked him about that. You know, you did a lot of Westerns at the beginning of your career. How, how did that work out? And he said, I, I could ride a horse. There were like a couple, <laughs> there were a couple of guys who could ride a horse and do horse stuff. And we got all the Western gigs. Hey, hey, so, that's yeah. useful. That's useful mm, that, to it, know. It was useful. And this was like back in the sixties, but yeah. yeah, if you could ride a horse back in the sixties, you could get a lot of work. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, Briscoe County Jr., as you mentioned, uh, mm. he studied law at Harvard. His dad was a famous lawman, and now that his dad is dead, he takes up his dad's old job. And, and his dad's old gun with the pearl inlaid handle. Which turns into a major plot point later, <laughs> and uh, in, in a rather ludicrous way, but okay. No, it, well, I guess yeah. we can just say right now, there's a bullet hidden inside, and it's made of a special yeah, metal. And, and not where <laughs> you'd think a bullet would be, like in the handle. Mm. Neat. Yeah, it's like a little little <laughs> compartment where they hit it's, a magic bullet. It's really, it's really silly, actually. Uh, even for this show, that was a little silly for me. But oh, I thought it was cool. It's fine. It didn't take me out of the show, but I'm just like, come on. Seriously. Um, but uh, he takes up his dad's old job. He's actually initially, for the first two-thirds of the series... Uh, working for uh, like Socrates Pool. Well, he's working for Socrates. He's working for Socrates Pool the whole time, but Socrates Pool is more of his handler. Yeah. Socrates Pool is played by an actor named Christian Clemenson, uh, who probably you know him from. Uh, he had small roles in things like Apollo thirteen and The Fisher King, but uh, most people, as far as I know, mostly know him from this show. Yeah, uh, he played uh, a character on Veronica Mars for a while. Okay. Uh, so I think maybe you might remember from there, but and, and he's um, he's very uh, straight laced, very proper, very he likes, fastidious. Yeah. He, he, yeah, he needs to say very clean. He's yeah. very uh, very anal retentive. He's and, not an action hero. He's the nerd, and so he gives yeah. Briscoe all of his assignments. Uh, but his assignments actually come from uh, like train tycoons. All of these basically corrupt businessmen mm. who have their own agendas, and sometimes they're quite evil. And then about two in, in the pilot. Yeah, one of them the, turns the out evilest, to be the villain. You know. And then about two-thirds of the way through the series, it's like they were like, oh, yeah, that's kind of weird. So now he just works for the president. He works for the government now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, No, not just the government. The president. <laughs> specifically. And I thought that was hilarious. Because uh, they just were just like, eh, we need a soft reboot of this concept. It's not quite working right now. Um, uh, you know what? That part... I don't like that they addressed that. Because who's he working for? Oh, train tycoons. But they hardly ever... Yeah. address that it's they just not, get an assignment at the beginning and i don't really care where it comes from just, just need, socrates pool says if it's not Soc- here's something here's your assignments here's what here i hired you it could yeah. just be him it could have been if he just wanted to make him some rich benevolent guy yeah probably would have made a bit more sense because they just want someone a they want a contrast for briscoe hmm. someone who isn't a dashing hero but i do appreciate that although socrates pool is again He's fastidious, he's neat and tidy, he doesn't like camping out or horses, etc. Um, he's not a, he's not holding the movie back. He's not holding the series back. He's not a stick in the mud. Yeah. Like, it's like uh, some people complain about um, Willie in Temple of Doom because, because they want to go on this... about everything. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they want to go on this adventure with Indiana Jones and his fun sidekick. 
And then here's this other person who comes along and just whines about everything. And it's kind of taken us out of the escapist adventure is the argument. I actually like her character. Fine. I would totally be that person in that adventure. But <laughs> regardless, that's the argument. And so I think that they very carefully avoided making Socrates someone you don't want to hang out yeah, he, with. He reminds me of uh, C-3PO from the Star Wars Yeah, movies. that's a better a analogy, bit, yeah. I think. Yeah, that works. Uh, just you like know, he's useful. C three PO is is like yeah. he's afraid and is really reluctant to charge into action, but he's never like telling people to stop what they're doing. It's yeah. just oh gosh, I'm he's afraid. never ruining anything. Exactly, he's just he's just yeah um, a counterpoint. And uh, um, but uh, yeah, basically he just needs he needs someone to give him the assignments. Otherwise, he's just wandering around doing whatever, and it does feels a little unfocused. So yeah. I get that. Uh, the co- I'd say the co star of the show really mm-hmm. like Briscoe's. Because they have most of their episodes together is Julius Carey. Yeah, uh, the the late great Julius Carey from The Last Dragon. Yep, he uh, played Shownuff in uh, Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. Which, if you haven't seen Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon, you have missed. <laughs> You're missing out. On One of the it's considered bizarre movie. It's considered by many people to be the last proper black exploitation movie. Mm. Came out in the nineties. No, it didn't. Eighties. I thought it was like ninety one or no, something. No, no, oh. no, 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 not that late. It was. Uh, hold on, let me look it up. Um. You are the last track. 85. Oh, gosh, I was way off. You were okay. way off. Uh, no, it was definitely the mid-80s. Just but, lost uh, a schmodown. Yeah, you did. But, um, yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful ode to exploitation and Bruce Lee movies. Mm. Uh, and it's very funny. The soundtrack kicks ass. Well, it's, it's Barry Gordy's. Like, yeah. Barry Gordy, the, the CBGB guy. Yeah, Barry Gordy didn't actually do anything in the movie Except get the music talent mm. involved, uh, but it turns out that was that was really important to get in the movie made, and the only place they could put him, like, in the opening credits, mm. was to give him basically possession of the movie because <laughs> they couldn't like there there were rules about what you could put in the opening credits, and mm. like music supervisor wasn't one of them, I guess, so they just had to call it Barry Gordy's Last Dragon, even though he didn't, like, direct it or anything. Mm. It's hilarious. But anyway, that movie's amazing. He plays an amazing villain in that movie, and here he plays a heroic character who initially isn't so much a hero as he is a competitor. He's another bounty hunter who... Mm. Lord Bowler is his name. Yeah, he wears a bowler hat. Big, tall guy. Uh, uh, pissed know. off at everything in yeah. a, the h- most hilarious possible way. Really funny. Julius way. Carey makes me every time he speaks, he makes me laugh in this show. Julius <laughs> Carey plays a wonderful character, and I particularly like when we start getting to know him a little better, and we find out that like he's such a good bounty hunter, and he makes so much money at this. He actually has like a mansion and a butler, which <laughs> <laughs> is just hilarious. And, and, and he actually like has like very refined tastes, and he knows the difference of like crystals and stuff. Yeah, because like if you just see him like on the road and stuff, he seems like this really like antagonistic a mean guy guy yeah. yeah so really really fun but, but he, um, he's also a master tracker so yeah. he's always the one like down on the ground saying no they went that way and they, yeah he's he's good lead, at his job he's That's leading the charge thing. a lot of the time yeah he's he, he, the, he and briscoe are equals yeah, and and they, they should and they're co-leads in the show yeah right? and i think what happens is initially i think for the first i didn't count First, like, seven to ten episodes. Yeah, for the the first seven or ten episodes, Lord Bowler is only there because he's always just happens to be hunting for the same people that Briscoe is hunting Mm. because there's a bounty on their head. And then about seven or ten episodes in, someone's just like, hey, you two should just work together. Wouldn't that make this show simpler? And they're like, yeah, that would make the show a lot simpler, actually. So So they just hire Lord Bowler. So they just work together. And and I love their relationship because Lord Bowler's a grump and yeah. Briscoe County Jr. is 
is kind of bright-eyed and dashing. So mm. they have a lot of good character conflicts, but they're also good friends, and I think yeah. they, they play off of each other very and well. And they avoid uh, a Western trap of having a white lead and a person of color mm. as their sidekick. Yeah, because Lord Buller's not a sidekick. No, he's introduced as an equal. He is an equal throughout the entire thing. Mm. You know, uh, Briscoe County's more of an intellectual. Yeah. Lord Bowler is a bit more of a blunt force trauma kind of guy, but he's also <laughs> super intelligent and capable and could, ca- and could catch all yeah. these guys on his own as he wanted to. And then towards the second half of the series, there's a new element that starts getting added where all of these adventures Briscoe and Bowler have been having have started being documented in dime store novels and penny dreadfuls. Hmm. So now they're being mythologized in the old West. And in those books, Lord Bowler is the sidekick. And, and of course he resents that because yeah. they're, they are equal. And then Briscoe County Jr. even says he's an equal. Never. And, uh, ne- he makes one joke about it, but like, that's yeah. it. Like it's, it's never and, and, considered it. In fact, they are equals along the way. There's a fun episode late in the series where, uh, the, the series sort of takes a back seat and uh, the, the episode is essentially one of those dime store novels. Mm-hmm. So we get to see what happens in one of those novels enacted by the cast. Uh, I, and we I, cut back to this Princess Bride framing device where a little boy is being read a story. I, I have a theory about that episode, but when we talk about right. this somewhat episodically, we can't dedicate a lot of time to every episode because there are 27 of them. Yeah. But we will give you the gist uh, of each anyway, one. Other um, cast members. Yeah. Um, so we, we got Bly. Uh-huh. We, we got a few of his lieutenants. Uh, uh, then we've got... Who played uh, Pete? Uh, there's Pete was like the, I think it was like the main Lieutenant of the Bly gang Mm. and his shtick is, you don't touch his piece. (laughs) You touch his piece. Nobody touches Pete's piece. Uh, You You, are referring to the wonderful John Piper Ferguson. (laughs) There Uh, you go. He plays Pete Hutter. Uh, Every Pete Hutter is a dangerously unstable outlaw Uh, who every single time he shows up on the show dies at the end of the episode. And then the next time he shows up on the show, everyone's like, didn't you die? He's like, no, (laughs) (laughs) he's like Kenny on South park. Kind of like years and years and years before Kenny was created. We had Pete Hunter, who was just hilarious. Not years and years. Kenny showed up in the spirit of Christmas in 96. But I I think it's fair to, but yeah, but he wasn't dying in every episode in that short film. It took a few more years. My point is that the gag would have been done well before mm-hmm. South Park got yeah. to it. They weren't working on it concurrently. Uh, there is a love interest uh, mm-hmm. who is um, MC Ganey's uh, mall at first, but mm-hmm. ends up kind of drifting through the criminal world very gently toward Briscoe County Jr. until eventually they admit that they love each other. Yeah, there's actually an interesting story yeah. about how the, that character evolved. Uh, that mm-hmm. is uh, Dixie Cousins, uh, who is kind of a Madeline Kahn and Blazing Saddles-ish like yeah. showbiz entertainer uh, who keeps winding up like dating different outlaws but also being in love with Briscoe and then gradually finding her own moral compass mm-hmm. over the course of the series. Uh, she's played by Kelly Rutherford. Uh, who was on Melrose Place for a long time. Mm-hmm. She was um, on Gossip Girl. Yeah, uh, that most recent reboot of yeah. uh, Dynasty. Um, so and, and she, boy howdy, is she a delight. She is, she is well yeah. cast. And initially, she was only supposed to be a one-off. She, oh, was, no kidding. she okay. was just supposed to be like the, you know, the, 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 you know, the gangsters mall. Yeah, yeah. Like the, 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 you know, like in James Bond movies, there's mm. always like two female characters. There's the heroic bond girl and the villainous bond girl, mm. which is, again, we really got to retire those phrases, but it, it does paint well, the picture. I, I think we just need to retire bond. There's well, <laughs> I don't disagree, little, but little that can be salvaged. But basically, there. you know, there's one who's a villain and one who gets to be the, the hero and sometimes mm. surprise one. The, it's not who you expect. Mm. 
But uh, that's kind of what happened with Dixie Cousins. She was supposed to be like kind of a villain of the week. And then they kept bringing her back because it turned out she and Bruce Campbell had really great chemistry together. The actual intention was for Bruce Campbell to, uh, over the course of the series, romance the daughter of Professor Wickwire, who shows up in the pilot and then Mm. is never seen again. Yeah, yeah. I guess she died. <laughs> just, she, she was a, just got the measles. Not as interesting a character as Dixie Cousins. That's yeah. all I can say. No, she uh, was fine. She, but yeah. she was a, she was a pretty standard, um, you know, tomboy well, character yeah. who was supposed to like you know defy convention, and they just didn't have a good story around her other than that. Whereas mm-hmm. Dixie Cousins had this sort of. She uh, deals with criminals, but yeah. she's actually in it for herself and yeah. knows how to like work idea, her way through the world. The idea of a villain who becomes more heroic was, I guess, they thought a little bit more interesting than someone who is heroic and just doesn't like Briscoe initially and then gradually likes him a bit more and stays heroic, mm-hmm. which I can appreciate. Um, so that sucks, though, to imagine you have the uh, this big break, mm-hmm. you know, this uh, big opportunity to star in you know, a TV series. And then it's like, no, we're going to, we're going to give your role to the person who played the villain in your episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, speaking of professor Wickwire, uh, John Aston is in this show as, as a semi, semi regular character. He's the, uh, um, the John Delancey in legend character. Yeah. Uh, he's the mad scientist. He's doc Brown. Uh, he plays kind of a, a broad stereotypical character, but he's played by John Aston. So I forgive it all. Yeah. Uh, John oh, by Aston, the way, who you know know as um, Gomez, Gomez Adams, Adams from the, from the Adams family, and yeah. many, many, many other things. Uh, real fast, I just want to because mm. it's it's so rude to make make a big deal out of their presence mm. in the film. But uh, Amanda Wickwire, mm. the character, uh, she was played by Anne Tremco, who actually doesn't oh, yeah. have a lot of credits, but uh, she was on Saved by the Bell, the College Years. That's probably what most people would know her from. Well, this I think was more popular than Saved by the Bell, the College Years. Say, well, uh, Saved by the Bell, the College Years, I think had more episodes. Actually, you're probably right. Let me, actually, so, let me yeah. see how long Saved by the Bell. Shit, do we have to do Saved by the Bell the college years? Is it one one season? Oh, shit. I think it might have been one oh, season. No. Oh, no. Oh, shit. <laughs> we have to do Saved by the Bell the college years. I mean, we kind of don't because it kept going, but at the same time, we kind of broke that rule already. Oh, Fuck. No, that's its own, it, the college years is definitely its own series. Damn it. Um, and, oh. and, of course, how could we forget oh. uh, the, the most astounding member of the cast, Comet, who the Wonder Horse. The, Comet the Wonder Horse, uh, who thinks he's a person. Yeah. And that's the joke of the horse. Yeah, so he com- com- comes inside. Yeah. Uh, in one really baffling scene late in the series, the Comet vault. cracks a safe. Yeah. <laughs> All of the protagonists are trapped in this giant vault after a bank robbery. Mm. And they think... They're like they knocking, think, they're tapping on the door and yelling instructions. They think Lord Bowler is on the other side, like mm-hmm. hacking them out. And then when they open the door, it was Comet, and no one knows how he did that. <laughs> Comet somehow cracked the safe. It's hilarious. Comet talks. You can't hear him, mm-hmm. but Briscoe knows what he's saying. Yeah. And you can't tell if he's just like talking to Comet like I talk to Luca or Cat mm-hmm. and just like give him a voice or whatever, because look. COVID's kept me indoors a long time this year. <laughs> but like, no, it's like Comet is his own character and it's kind of basically just every great Western hero who had their own famous horse. It's Hydro yeah. Silver, it's Trigger. Um, Comet should have had his own spinoff. <laughs> the animated adventures of Comet. Yeah, I would totally watch yeah, that. That'd for be sure. Amazing. 
Um, uh, but yeah, I think Comet's hilarious. Um, and I think just a lot of good jokes around Comet. As the series progresses, we're going to run into the same characters over and over again. Mm. Uh, there's, I think it's the Schwenke sisters who are these oh, uh, yeah, yeah. extremely muscly but incredibly uh, um, uh, sensual uh, uh, women who are uh, blacksmiths who really like having sex. <laughs> and, uh, they, yeah, they, 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 are, they are in charge. They, are, they end up being Professor Wickwire's girlfriends, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. really funny. Um, there, there's a scene where they have to hire the Shrenka sisters to like, Play good cop, bad cop with some bad guys. Yeah, because the guy, the bad guy, only speaks German, and they mm. no one else does. So mm. their version of good cop, bad cop is one of them starts having sex with them while the other one is beating him up, yeah, and it's yeah. it's a hell of a scene. It's 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 weird how well it plays it's, given the given the the content and to, to the cherry on top is uh, all the other characters are watching through a two way or one way mirror. Yeah. And, uh, and of course they get to make a joke about, wow, look at this big mirror. I wish I could have one of these on my wall and just like turn it on every once in a while and, and watch look a at people show doing like stuff. this. Yeah. I love like their ideas the to thing. invent television, but only to basically watch, watch porn, violence or, less, or yeah. porn or, you know, <laughs> or as we called it back in the early nineties, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They wanted to invent Fox. Yeah. Um, so, but there are a couple other characters who show up mm. over the course of the series. Uh, mostly later on, it felt like they were trying to build a bigger ensemble mm. of familiar yeah, characters. Like There's the, a... the two part finale. They bring a lot of these yeah. late series supporting characters yeah. together. Yeah. They get, you bring back Pete, even though he's the bad guy, he's just mm. a popular breakout character. Uh, but you also bring back a, a sheriff named Viva, uh, and Viva I, I, is Elvis mm. and they never explain that because he talks like Elvis he dresses like Elvis he speaks in Elvis lyrics and, he and sings part, like Elvis and eats like Elvis yeah, one of one of the jokes is that he he's just insatiable he has this appetite he just eats and yeah. eats there's also a character uh, named Whip Morgan who exists Whip Morgan is the most useless part of the Whip show. Morgan is like I don't know <clears throat> what they thought mm. we were getting out of Whip Morgan he's mm. He he uh, he's a card shark, which I guess can sometimes be useful. Except we know Briscoe is also a card shark, so we don't really need another one of those. He's young, and I guess maybe they thought they were like catering to like the teen heartthrob crowd. But but you already never... had Bruce Campbell. Well, <laughs> he Bruce was already Campbell, kind of a heartthrob. Bruce Campbell's like you know authority, whatever. Maybe you want like a young James Deanish kind of character in there, but mm. he never gets to do any of that stuff. Well, the, he's not you, funny. You, you he's have not a romantic. Ha- you have a handsome leading man in in uh, yeah. Briscoe County Junior. You have sort of a bad boy already in the form of Lord Bowler. Yeah. You have sort of the the fastidious neat one in the form of uh, Socrates Pool. You don't need that other character. No. All of those bases are already being covered. No. Yeah. No. It's it's hmm. it. it it's completely unnecessary. Yeah. It doesn't work. There's you know, a the only of, thing I wanted was more women on the cast. There's but, a yeah. couple of cool uh, uh, women characters who they bring in, and I thought they were going to bring back once they started like bringing back more characters. Well, I, there's a character <clears throat> named um, oh, hold on, what's her name? Crystal Hawks, uh, mm. who is a who's a bounty hunter who's actually hired to capture Briscoe after he's framed for murder. Oh, and they they take turns like capturing each other because yeah. they both have a bounty on their heads. And that's actually they have a really fun dynamic. And she's mm-hmm. played by Sheena Easton, <laughs> the great uh, uh, my, singer Sheena Easton. She's amazing. My I guess love her. they could good in it actually. Yeah, my guess is they couldn't get Sheena Easton back on the regular. But I, <sighs> I wish they had tried more. I remember uh, when I, I was a big fan of and still am a big fan of Star Trek: The Next Generation, mm-hmm. and uh, when. Denise Crosby, who played Lieutenant oh, yeah. Tasha Yar on that show, she left the show. A rather fa- she was killed rather famously just 
suddenly and unexpectedly by a tar monster. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is just the monster of the week. We'll just find a way to deal with it. And in order to up the stakes, they killed one of the main cast. Mm-hmm. And then that was sort of unheard of at the time. That's really common now. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and yeah, apparently was, she was, I, I heard that actually she was like kind of bored. Yeah, she, yeah. she wasn't uh, really digging the show. She thought television was sort of a stepping stone for her career. So she said, well, just kill off my character. I'm fine with that. I won't be back. And I'm going to go on and I'm going to do movies. Yeah, that did not really it, work out her, too great. Her film career, yeah, never really took off. And this was the first thing I saw her in after she left Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh-huh. Uh, there's an episode where Denise Crosby shows up as the sheriff of a town of, of women. Yeah, exclusively women. Mm. Women only. No man's land, they call it. And then it's attacked by a tank. That's right. Yeah, uh, a big uh, penis uh, just rolls so, into town. Uh, there's a like lot of metaphor. Uh, get it? There, uh, it's it's not subtle. It's not a subtle. <laughs> it doesn't show. have to be, but if it's well written, it doesn't have to be subtle. I don't know. Uh, that's one of the many anachronisms. Uh, was that the Swill Brothers who had the tank? Yeah, the Swill Brothers there's, come there's, back a few yeah, times. Gill, too. Will, and Bill, Bill and Phil, and Phil Swill. Yeah, um, bunch of yeah. Uh, bunch of uh, uh, ne'er do wells, and they're inbred. That's their joke. Yeah, so they're not uh, very intelligent, and they come back a few times. Mm. Um, but uh, the, I, you bringing up Star Trek was made me laugh because I was looking up the filmography of everyone involved, and uh, John Piper Ferguson, who played Pete, mm. uh, he did he has done over his career a lot of westerns, mm. probably maybe because he knows how to ride a horse. I don't know. <laughs> and one of his, uh, in addition to being in things like Unforgiven, he was also in the Next Generation episode Fistful of Datas. Oh, which is the Western episode? Yeah, that's the that's where there's a holodeck malfunction. Yes. And Data was on the holodeck when it malfunctioned, so all of the characters on the holodeck turn into Data while they're doing a Western fantasy. I always thought it was disappointing that they have all of these holodeck episodes of Star Trek. And yeah, we're talking about Star Trek. I know we have a whole other podcast. (laughs) But we're doing it, okay? This this ran concurrent with Next Generation. It's kind of topical. My thing is this. That would have been the perfect (laughs) device for crossover episodes with other shows. I, I suppose so. Like, oh no, like we have to find out like... What happened in the old West to like cause this uh, mm. ancient thing that happened? Well, then, we should recreate it on the holodeck, and then Briscoe County Jr. is there. Yeah, cool. I don't know. Well, one was Why a fo- one was a Fox show, and the other was Paramount. So well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like you could have done that. Is it was my like point. here's Maverick, whatever you want. Whoever, I don't fucking care. But you could have done it. It would have been um, really fun. Oh well, you had a perfect engine. Oh wait, right you there. know Ma- Maverick was a Western in the nineties. So a rather successful one. He was uh, actually, yeah. yeah, from the uh, from the makers of uh, *Lethal Weapon*. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of boats in that movie. It's a really funny movie. It's okay. If, I like if, it. it. It stars Mel Gibson, but it's a really funny movie. Mel, it also stars Jodie Foster mm-hmm. and James Garner, and they're mm-hmm. good. But seriously, watch that movie sometime. It's weird considering it takes place in a desert. How many boats they shove into that film? <laughs> like they really the climax like, is on a, every a, single a steamship. Every single shot where there's a body of water in the background, there are boats everywhere. Mm. They're big on boats. This distracted the shit out of my parents. <laughs> We're like watching this for the yeah, first time. It was directed time. by Richard Donner, who did Lethal Weapon and yeah. Superman. And you know how much he loves boats. So, like, I'm watching this with my mom for the first time. We rented it from Blockbuster after it came out. And, and they're just like, why are there so many boats? And this was all they could talk about for the entire film. Is this is a Western. Yeah. What's with all the fucking if, boats? If, if you like Brisker County Jr., you probably like Maverick, too, because yeah, they're good. really similar in tone. Yeah. Um, well, except. Again, Brisker County Jr. has all the tech stuff. So you mentioned the tank. Yeah. There's an episode where they uh, have to uh, chase down, I, I forgot what they call them. They're motorcycles. Yeah, they actually call like, them motorcycles. They yeah. call them motored cycles. Motored cycles. Yeah. 
Uh, which that seems like a quite a bit of an anachronism. Uh, oh, they're huge anachronisms. Yeah. There's a Zeppelin in the final episode for crying that, out loud. Well, yeah. uh, let's see what do they got here. They've got uh, a stun gun in one episode, it's like a oh, taser. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's one of the things they do. They've got a flamethrower in one of the episodes. There's just a flat old old fashioned mm. rocket. There's a ro- yeah. There's yeah. The, the rocket train and uh, and the, there's the submarine. Yeah. And a bunch of other stuff besides. Mm. Uh, there's a well, there's a machine gun long before like they had that particular kind. Yeah. So this this yeah. this sort of uh, anachronistic movement of tech, I think, is something that makes the show really interesting. Yeah. And uh, I love it because these are common to us, and we take them for granted in most action films. But I love that Briscoe County Jr. is out of his element when he encounters yeah. these things. They're basically treated like a superpower. When yeah. It's like it's yeah. like one of the things I actually thought was really clever in the first. Um, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movie. Mm. At the end of the movie, the big scary device that the villain gets that terrifies the shit out of Sherlock Holmes is a button. <laughs> He's got like a remote control. Uh-huh. Like he could turn on a machine from, from a different anywhere. Place, yeah. That should scare the shit out of I, all. I rem- and that's like the end of the movie. Mm. And I'm like, I never thought about it before, but yeah, that would, that would, that's a huge thing. If you think about it, that would blow everyone's fucking mind. I remember, uh, that same feeling when I watched who framed Roger rabbit, where the whole, the villain's whole scheme, it's like, he's buying up all this land. He's committing all these murders. So he can get all this land. What's he doing? He's building something called a freeway. Yeah. And oh, well, why <laughs> and would we need the, a freeway when we have great public transportation? He also bought up the public transportation and he's, and he's going to fuck it up. It, yeah. yeah. So everybody has to use the freeway. Yeah. And and of course the joke is like smooth, easy, fast. Traffic jams will be a thing of the past. Yes. There'll be billboards everywhere. My God. It'll be beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> great delivery. I think of that delivery all the time. Yeah. Um, At, or or uh, in the movie Topsy Turvy. Yeah. Where, uh, uh, Sir Arthur Sullivan has a fountain pen for the first time. Yeah, not like you have to dip it in an inkwell. It just yeah. contains ink. He's like just holding it, looking at it. Oh, yeah. oh look, and it just writes. Yeah. Thank you. It's weird when you think about like all the different uh, uh, machineries, all the different mm. technologies that we have, and how initially that was a mind-blowing idea. Mm. And oftentimes these things just evolve naturally, and it's hard to even pin down when exactly someone first noticed the first, I don't know, escalator or something. Mm. Like, I just watched Wonder Woman 1984, and there's a scene where Steve Trevor is marveling at an escalator. Even though that had been invented, like, in in around Briscoe County Jr.'s time, actually. Yeah, although it wasn't popular, though. It's it's popular, he'd never ridden on one, but that's not the mind-blowing tech, you Mm. know? But whatever, we just need to use it for, like, there's a difference between like using you, you it for golly gee whiz, yeah. and there's a difference between using it as... Encino oh Man jokes. Well, we forget sometimes that we're living in a sci-fi future. Yeah. A yeah, hundred years ago, the shit that we take for granted now would be considered unthinkably science fiction. Mm. Uh, but I, I appreciate Briscoe County Jr. because it makes us think about that. Yeah. Like, the, how, how mind-blowing these things are. In addition to that, just the, the anachronistic modern-day tech, there's also something from the future (laughs) there's one additional element we haven't even talked about yet yeah there's and it's it's the science fiction element there is a this is a sci-fi series Mm. uh not just in a sort of retro uh, steampunk this technology is introduced a little earlier than you might have thought by different people kind of way there's actually and it's it's i think it's really noteworthy that carlton hughes would eventually work on lost because it feels like the kind of storytelling they would eventually attempt to pull off on lost Mm where we think we're watching one type of show and then, and it's right in the pilot this time, we're introduced to something called 
the orb. Mm-hmm. And it's a big metal sphere with like glowy rods that poke out of it, you know, like a dandelion. And uh, a metal dandelion. Mm. And the, it, it, the looks, it looks like a COVID virus, frankly. It, yeah. Frankly, it does. But uh, and it has, depending on the episode, different powers. Like it can electrocute people, or give them superhuman strength, yeah. or bring them back from the dead. And the whole thing is that the government is trying to research this thing, figure out how to use its power. And the criminal John Bly, played by again the great Billy Drago, uh, is trying to steal it for his own nefarious purposes. And over the course of the series, every three or four episodes, the orb is either the MacGuffin of the week mm-hmm. or they're actually trying to build a, myth- a mythological narrative around the backstory of it. Yeah. And, and that, and that uh, Briscoe County has, is like fated to do something with the orb. And maybe his dad had something to do with yeah, and, it, too. And, 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 I, and in, in that X-Files sort of way, they are really good about uh, stringing you along, but keeping the mystery. Yes uh, and no. I found after a while. Okay. I found after a while there were enough like MacGuffin episodes with the orb where it was just we I, need something for the bad guys to be after mm. this week, but it never actually contributes anything. That I, did I, start, they, I started they, getting a little a little tired of it, frankly. I did think they brought it back a little too often. Yeah, uh, one or two fewer times. I think there, there's helped. a character where they meet the orb scholar who knows a lot about it, mm-hmm. but he also says some really cryptic things. These are the things that reminded me of the X Files, where you know Mulder fin- like finally corners some mysterious character. Yeah, it's like tell me, tell me about it. Oh, the mystery is bigger than you can think, Mulder. Oh no, I'm dead. You know, it's. I remember uh, on Law. Uh, Mm. We used to have um, we used to have a drinking game when we watched Lost, and one of the one of the rules was every time someone doesn't answer a direct question, yeah, about the yeah. mythology, where it's just like, hey, what what is the you know all everything about the island, and no one like everyone's always like, yeah, but we got to do this long hike, and I'm like, yeah, while you're doing the long hike. Why don't you ask him what the smoke monster is? Just do you, it. You can talk just, and walk just, at the same time, just right? Ask somebody for Christ's sake, or or when when uh, you ask them and they give like an enigmatic answer, like ah, it's like if there's some sort of mystery box on the island. <laughs> they actually give that speech one time without using the word mystery box, mm-hmm. and they just want to punch them. But there's this amazing bit towards the end of the season. It's end of series, either like right at the end of the second to last season or right at the beginning of the last season, mm-hmm. where uh, a character named Linus who's like the main bad guy, mm-hmm. uh, and he's been living on the island his is, whole life. Is and that he, the? Uh, uh, Oh no, that's Locke is Yeah, Locke is Terry Terry Quinn's also in the same. Terry Quinn is like obsessed with the island and Linus has been living on the island and he knows as many of the secrets as almost any other character. And then Linus is trying to like make an alliance with Locke and like trying to get on Locke's good side after they've been through hell. He's put like Locke through hell. It's like, fine, fine. Ask me anything. Just ask me anything at all and I'll tell you. And so Locke just looks at him straight and says, What's the monster? And everyone <laughs> watching the show with me, like, we held our breath, like, oh my god, he just asked a direct question to someone who could actually answer it, mm. and the show was nearing completion, and maybe we're finally going to actually get a straight-up answer for some of the shit going on. And then Linus looks at Locke and says, I don't know. Fuck you! <laughs> I watched a couple episodes of Lost, yeah. and I was really fr- there's a uh, I was really frustrated about how people did not share information yeah. on the show. It's like somebody goes off into the woods on in one of the first episodes to find supplies, yeah, to find food, to find water, and they see like a polar bear, and then they come back to the beach and they don't mention that they saw a polar bear. That would be a little weird. 
That would be well, something guess, you might want to share. I think the justification was they didn't want everyone to panic right away, and maybe we'll tell them later because we just got off of a plane crash. Yeah. And hopefully, and hopefully, again, hopefully help is coming tonight. Yeah. So maybe this will be a moot point. I, I understand that the flashback was sort of like the narrative structure of Lost. Yeah. But it was so pissed me off. It's I like, know, just get to the point, just stay in the present, figure stuff out. It was. I it, don't need to see what where you were. Just it, use that in a single line of dialogue. I don't need a whole episode for if it. If there was ever a show that probably should have been canceled too soon, it's Lost. <laughs> if Lost had How been canceled last, after like six, seven seasons? Around there, and there were truncated seasons. After, <clears throat> if Lost had ended after one season, hmm. with all of the questions unanswered it would be hailed as the greatest tv thing ever because it's really tightly constructed it's full of really amazing moments and storytelling and teases for future stuff and the longer it went the more you realize we have no good answers for most of this and it's not satisfying and we didn't plan it out it's kind of like the x-files which was initially like mostly like a monster of the week thing but every time they tease the mythology it really just lightning went off in our brains as we watched it and we were like oh what what is the grand conspiracy what's actually going on and the more we found out about the conspiracy the more we realized that they really didn't think this out when they started talking about it and everything it actually is is stupid (laughs) funny thing about the x-files well here's the arc the arc of the x-files that Mm -hmm. you know Amazingly, uh, I'm, and I'm connecting this back to Brisker County Jr., so we're not going to be off topic this anymore. Is, this is actually really important on topic, the X-Files. Uh, I, I think the arc with the X-Files about how it sort of rose and was tapping into like all this zeitgeisty stuff about UFOs and, and mm. government conspiracies. Yeah. And was very much of its time, so it actually kind of outlived its usefulness oh, it's pretty defining, quickly. It's one of the defining, I think, you know, artistic achievements of the '90s for yeah, better or like, worse. Like, really defines yeah. w- where we were as as an American society at the time. <clears throat> it started to fall off at the end, and I predict that if Briscoe County Jr. Mm-hmm. had that same arc, if it had lasted ten seasons, it would have been like six good ones and then the rest would have sucked and they would have tried to reboot it and bring it back. And those would have sucked too. Well, they probably would have started getting less money and like, it's Mm. just, it's just a sort of thing that like, it was kind of already feeling like a relic. Yeah. Um, it may be a last great gasp of this kind of like episodic adventure storytelling, which, which consists, uh, persists to this day, but this old fashioned sort of pulp serial version of it, which wouldn't be popular for a long time. Uh, Briscoe County Jr. premiered on August 27th, 1993. Two weeks later, premiering its pilot episode after Briscoe County Jr. episode three, The X-Files. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, would have, it went on right afterwards. And these were on Friday nights. <laughs> when I was home watching TV well, and nobody well, else was. Yeah, here's the thing I think people don't necessarily know about. Like, back when... Uh, Nowadays, people, yeah, some people watch TV like when it's on, like, you know, oh, this show is Scorpion is on at eight. Well, I guess we'll watch Scorpion at eight then. But a lot of people watch it on their DVR, or they'll watch it on a streaming service afterwards, or they're watching shows on a streaming service and it doesn't matter when it debuts. Um, event TV programming, where you had to schedule your night around it, uh, really meant that certain days of the week were more prone to having high ratings than others. Mm. Weeknights, where people were working the next day, people were more likely to be at home. They're not going to go mm. out. They're not going to party. They're probably eating their dinner, watching TV, and going to bed. So a night like Thursday nights on NBC was this huge blockbuster ratings bonanza. However, 
these were the pre-COVID years, <laughs> on Fridays and Saturdays, young audiences, the the targeted demographic for most networks, mm. they were out. They were going out. They were going to the movies. Yeah, they were Friday, going to restaurants. Was, they were dancing. Was, uh, Friday was death for TV. Yeah, they, they were dating something. People were doing stuff. They had other plans. So if a show aired on a Friday or especially a Saturday, the general rule of thumb is that it better be a cheap show because you're doomed. Mm-hmm. You are absolutely doomed your ratings can only ever get so high and indeed and and here here was the death knell if you started on friday nights uh and you were moved to early sunday evenings Mm -hmm. your show's done yeah and then somehow and i I gotta give fox credit they turned sunday into event programming and i think it's Mm because they they moved the simpsons Simpsons and and then back to back and then i think king of the hill right in the middle there like really worked out for them yeah after a while like, but yeah, The Simpsons was a was, huge show. The, the Simpsons, then King of the Hill, then The X-Files. That's what we did in college. Yeah. Gather in the, the dorm TV room. That was a big night of TV. <clears throat> they had a lot of confidence in their shows. And on Sunday nights, there wasn't a lot of competition. A lot of other networks were showing like, yes, it's the Sunday night movie here on mm. TBS or whatever. <laughs> TBS. I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, but Fox moved their programming there and it was strong. And it worked, and it saved the X-Files. The X-Files was on the bubble there for a while. The first mm. season did not do huge in the ratings, but Fox was very confident in it, I think it's because it's a little cheaper than Briscoe, which was a very expensive show. Um, but, um, yeah, so uh, Briscoe also had... <sighs> Briscoe also got really screwed over by the conversation around violence in the media at the time. Yeah, this this is this. Oh gosh, this is so bizarre because it's actually such a light show, and it's actually not a violent program. It's pretty kid friendly for the Mm. most part. People get stabbed and stuff, but like it's PG thirteen at most. This is no, it's it's at most. Yeah, occasionally be PG thirteen, but like there might be like somebody gets garroted in an alleyway or something. But uh, yeah, but even then, it's usually off camera, mm. and this is a this never gets more violent than a James Bond movie. Yeah, never once. Uh, but it was considered. Th- this was at the time, like this was the Bill Clinton administration. Mm-hmm. This was when uh, Tipper Gore, Al Gore's wife, was uh, really spearheading an attempt to uh, censor the media. Like, yeah, media is too violent. Damn it, knock too, it off. Uh, I think uh, Tipper Gore was a uh, one of the big uh, proponents of putting those little parental advisories on records. Oh, I, yeah, uh, and she, on TV. She, she was TV part didn't of used that, to yeah. have that. The following TV program has violence, mm-hmm. sexuality. Yeah, that's a, there, there was no rating on TV. Mm-hmm. You just it was just TV. I remember, I remember when that they started. Put the, they put the adult stuff on late at night when kids were presumably in bed. Yeah, and every single person would just like look at those ratings and go. Huh. And then that was that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and they, they started like giving little code letters. It's like TV fourteen LSMFV. It's like LF L- what? LSMFT. What do those is, letters is mean? That I don't like, know. Is that like a cover band for KMFDM? Mm, like, like, what do we? Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. I'm not sure exactly what it means. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah. So around the time people were talking about what are the most violent shows on TV, and apparently they took an episode of Briscoe County Junior. And they counted how many acts of violence were in it. Mm. And it was like a staggering number. It was like over 100 acts of violence. And then it turned out, apparently, that the episode they got was an early episode with a couple of boxing matches. And every punch in the boxing match was counted as a separate act of violence. And it's a boxing match. Yeah. 
And it's, it's a, a violent, jokey it's boxing a, match yeah. too. It's not even like a super violent one, like Raging Bull or something. Mm. Like, no, it's a cart. It's like a cartoon. And boy, did that suck. That should not have been the narrative around Briscoe County. This is a very kid friendly program. Yeah, yeah. I watched just, this when I was a kid. It did not fuck me up. No, there there yeah. wasn't a. There was. A, I didn't um, watch a lot of it, but yeah. I did watch it. And there it there was a moment, but I guess this came on when I was in high school, so there wouldn't have been a moment that really scared me. There's a moment. Yeah. Uh, I guess we can get get into like sort of like larger arcs. Like we said, there are twenty seven episodes. It's going to be hard to get into each individual story. We're, we're, we'll, we'll just uh, mention briefly yeah. what each one is, but like, it's but the not arc a whole thing. the arc of Bly Bly comes back pretty frequently, actually, yeah. and it's eventually real realized that uh, in the the very first scene of the pilot mm-hmm. is uh, the orb being discovered, mm-hmm. the science fiction orb, and uh, so, uh, some of the uh, railway workers like open it up they pull like rods out of it and they get enough superpowers that they can break free yeah this gets the attention of everybody and gets the whole series going it's also dropped Uh, pretty quick i think the idea mm. of giving and these are like chinese indentured servants Mm. so the idea of giving them superpowers could have completely changed the whole class dynamic of the West and indeed yeah. America. And boy, do they drop that. I really like, wish, they, it, I wish it, they delved into it. It turns it out little. it's just like the three guys that get powers. It's not it's like still, all of the, the Chinese still, people. still something that could have, they could have done more with and they ended yeah. up doing nothing with it, but okay. Um, the, the treatment of, of uh, Chinese and Asian characters is insensitive in this show. At yeah. best, uh, they, they deal with stereotypes a lot. Yeah. Uh, Which they do. And the, yeah. and and the, the, the only was... the counter argument one could make is that, well, it's they're dealing with every stereotype of the old West. Mm. And uh, yeah, but they're actually going out of the way to subvert it in some cases mm. and just not when Chinese well, and, and Chinese Americans uh, yeah, are involved. Th- this was um, I mean, this was a very racist time. This was Reconstruction America. Yeah. And uh, and Lord Lord Buller is a black man. And they I think only once or twice even mention his race. Yeah. And uh, they're trying; they're actively trying to be as progressive as possible. Yeah, and and this, Bowler, this I was uh, I appreciate that. And this was actually a really big way of dealing with racism uh, in media in the nineties was to say we're post racial already, mm-hmm. which was uh, in retrospect very irresponsible. Yeah. to not address the racism, uh, but at the time it seems like very progressive and very forward. Oh God, we're, we're post racial. Everybody just sort of gets along now. And uh, to put that in the past was even more progressive. So this at the time was a progressive show. Yeah. Except for, for <clears throat> except, Chinese people it, and Chinese Americans. Ex- yeah. yeah, except for the Chinese characters, which are all treated as stereotypes. They're all treated as stereotypes. They're indentured yeah. servants or they're leaders of clans mm. of you know kung fu warriors. By the time we get to... And we've mentioned this before, and it's been a while since we've done like an episodic show of like the 80s and 90s. But there is there are certain episodes that episodic shows in the 80s and 90s would do over and over again. Like, oh, no, this kid has inherited money and we have to rescue them from bad guys, which they also do in Briscoe County. That's an episode they would do over and over again. Mm. Oh, no, there's a mummy. They would do that over and over again. Although Briscoe never had a mummy. There are no no mummies, no gorillas, no supernatural monsters. Not yet. They're, I'm sure they would have shown up. They yeah. would have gone into like a vampire I, I, or a werewolf or something. Why not? But anyway, yeah, they, they it was just the it. science fiction stuff. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they but, also had one of the cliches was the Chinatown episode mm. where the characters go to Chinatown and there's some cliched storyline about like a, there's a martial arts school and mm-hmm. they 
it's where they need to go to get like a magic yeah. elixir or, that has the word dragon in the name. Or my uh, old friend who runs a Chinese restaurant who we're close friends with and we will never ever see again before or mm. since. Uh, and they're having trouble with the triads or something. Mm. And so we, we, the white people have to defend yeah, them from the triads. And James Hong is going to show up. So that's a delight. Really. And, and oh yeah. And James Hong's in almost every single one of those episodes <laughs> of every show. And he will be in this show <laughs> because James Hong is in everything. <laughs> I, I'm convinced there's more than one James Hong. That's quite possible. <laughs> that's how I got so much work. There's actually yeah. like four of him. Yeah. He just went, he um, just cloned himself like in multiplicity. Although there, there was a cute episode where Socrates pool had to do an investigation and he ran into uh, an Asian dock worker who invented sushi. Oh, if, yeah. if you remember that one, yeah, it's like, here, here eat this. And what do you think? Oh, I don't like that. It's like, here, try this one. Oh, that one's okay. What is it? It's fish. How'd you cook it? Didn't cook it. It's just fish. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, how much are you going to charge for this? A lot. So it's like, yeah. Sushi was a kind considered. It watched the breakfast club, the movie, the breakfast oh, club. I know. At there some was point, this weird time there's this time when, sushi yeah, was gross. like sushi was just for like rich people. And it was this weird exotic thing that only rich people ate. And now yeah. it's just like fast food. You just get sushi any night of the week. Uh, it shouldn't be fast, <laughs> but like, it's still good. Like I don't yeah. well, You can I, get, I grew up you eating can, sushi. I you like can get it, sushi yeah. fast food, but you can also get very, very good. And the thing, high class sushi. And here's the thing. Sushi. Mm. There was always possible to get reasonably priced sushi. Yeah. I don't know where the movies same. and TVs got that. I think it was just this weird thing where it's like, hey, how can we make fun of a culture? Yeah. Like, that's basically mm. was what they were looking for. Like, the food's fine, right? We can always make fun so of the, the food. This is the 90s yeah. where sushi was still a little bit of a comedic, like, it was a little bit of a punchline. Yeah. But uh, I, I appreciate that it's like, oh, sushi. Oh, wait, this is good. Mm. It's going to be a thing. It's another coming thing mm. joke. Indeed. But uh, uh, what I was getting to uh, before uh, yeah, about the orb was that Bly is after it and will eventually learn about Bly. Yeah, way late. Way, like, way really late in the, the series. series. Like He's after this thing. He knows it will give him power. He's really smug about it. At one point, he like mm. gets the orb and says, bullets cannot harm me. And they shoot him and they bounce off of him. Mm. Uh, it turns out that he knows where the orb is from because he is a time traveler. Which they just... <laughs> throw out there like it's nothing we're talking like 18 episodes into the series there's a whole scene where like Bly gets there's actually three orbs and they all have different powers and so Bly is trying to get another one of these orbs and uh, he just sort of all of a sudden after all these months years however long the show takes place over he's just like by the way I'm from the future yeah and I came back to get these orbs for reasons I'm like this should be blowing everyone's fucking mind right now. And we're not mm. even going to talk about this. And then we don't. <laughs> and then well, we really don't. And there's like the time, one more episode afterwards. By the time it's in. introduced that Bly himself is a time traveler, we've already met a different time traveler from even further in the future where the orb is from. Mm. No, no, the, no. We don't, we don't meet that person until later. I thought we make, we meet her first and then it's eventually revealed after we, that. I think we meet Bly and then later on we meet her. Uh, I, These, I think there's a lot of the, episodes that kind of blur get, together a little yeah, bit. Sorry, maybe it's that same episode, but um, it's, they're around the same time. I've memory serves yeah, there was we, a Bly episode, then was like one more episode. We meet a we meet episode. a time traveler, and she's like just like the Terminator. She shows up naked, and she's like, I don't know what clothes are, and like mm -hmm. she, she's just completely out of her element. I'm really oblivious <laughs> to the fact that the people are sexualizing her, which is mm -hmm. a little gross. It's a little, but yeah, she's always in charge, uh, at least, yeah. and. And she's the one who, uh, I, and I love the bit where uh, Briscoe County Jr. just says, okay, I've been chasing after this orb. You're from the future. You know all about this orb. Just tell me in plain language what it is. Uh -huh. And she gives this like, 
like a 40 syllable explanation, like, of like various, or, oh, it's like a, a temporal time shifting whatchamahoosits, so like yeah. with all of these yeah. technical terms. And, and, it, and, and then it like, slips a disc into the mm. interdimensional thingamadoodle. Yeah. And then Briscoe's like, oh, okay. well, thanks for not dumbing it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it so they, they, do, nothing, they do tell us what it is using just techno jargon. Yeah. But the issue is that it's just techno jargon. It's, it's just, just a big techno jargon thingy. And that's all it ever was. And, and, the, then, and then, but it does let you travel through time. And there's a bit where uh, Briscoe grabs his, like, oh, finally, I have the orb. And then another Briscoe County Junior arrives and says, "I need that." Yeah, <laughs> and, I'm from I'm from pretty soon in the future, and it's more important that I have this orb than you do. And uh, Briscoe's like, "Hey, hey, oh." And you know what? I think they paid it off well because, like, eight mm. episodes later, they get to, we get yeah. to see the other end of that. We do. That However, story. one thing that did frustrate me is that the dialogue is different the second time. That's true. That they, one they I thought was, it a little bit. I thought that was a bit of a cheat. It feels like they didn't really think out the exact context mm. in which Future Briscoe would need that orb. And so when Future Briscoe needs that, because what happens is Future Briscoe actually defeats John Bly mm. using the magic orb bullet that was hidden in his gun the whole time. Yeah, that, that's the thing that was hidden. The, the secret bullet was made of orb the, Futuristic metal, metal yeah. made, that the orb is made of yeah. was able to kill Bly, but in the uh, process, mm-hmm. Lord Bowler dies. Yeah, and but uh, Briscoe is like, wait a minute, but we this can is a time, time travel with this thing. thing. Yeah. So I'm going to go back in time. I'm going to take this orb and I'm going to use it to go back to before Lord Bowler dies in order to save Lord Bowler. And I'm like, cool. Um, and uh, I just want to say one thing without going into heavy spoiler territory. I think Christopher Nolan is a fan of this show <laughs> because I really do feel Wait like I, I, okay. when he was a kid or something, like he watched this and then like okay, 20 years later, he's like, he's like out, do- yeah. noodling around. It's like, what should I, I want to do a movie called Tenet. What should I, Hmm. Time this is nothing like Tenet. This is about, this is about sending technology back in time in order to like, war against the past and shit it's not entirely unlike oh, Tenet. but that's that's exa- that was the the story of uh, enterprise as well which predates tenet by quite a few years doesn't predate There's... briscoe county no it came after briscoe county I'm just saying, the, briscoe the, county's briscoe county the makers the of Enter- the makers of enterprise and the people who were working on star trek at the time were c- clearly watching this show oh, oh, there sure, were, they were contemporaries there might have been, there there, might have been yeah. people who even worked on it yeah, you know, like, might even shot on the same sets for for God's sake. Know, yeah. yeah, yeah, all those saloon sequences mm-hmm. in Enterprise. Well, I mean, the Fistful of Data. There were there was like some Western <laughs> was stuff. Was there a Western and, episode in Enterprise? Not an Enterprise. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, but but the people who worked on all the Star Treks would go on I'm to sure make Enterprise, did. and they had sure this, this whole temporal war thing that goes on. As a it's an subplot. Anyway, the whole thing with the orb. The orb comes back, gives people powers, brings people back from the dead, brings Lord Bowler back from the dead, and then they resolve it, and we've got like seven episodes left in the season. It feels like the climax of the show. It really does. But, I don't and know. it's there that they, they start introducing up for more episodes than they planned. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Yeah. That, that's where we introduce a young hotshot character. That's where yeah. we introduce Viva. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where they start working for the president instead of for the robber yeah. barons. It feels like the second season already. Yeah, I think they, I think they might have got picked up for more episodes than they'd originally plotted for. The other funny thing about this is uh, right after this big you know, episode where they start working for the president and everything. That's when we have the princess bride episode, which is called Ned Zed. Ned Zed uh, is a, a takeoff of Ned Kelly who would like put armor on himself and his gang. And so they do a version of that. Who I think mm-hmm. it stars Casey Zemesco from uh, three o'clock high. Um, there's a, there's a, 
Yahoo Serious movie yeah. about Ned Kelly. It's called Reckless Kelly. Yeah. I like Yahoo Serious. I think, he, I think his film's got a bum rap. <laughs> Young Einstein is funny, damn it. It's, I haven't seen it since the theater, and I remember okay. enjoying it at the time, it was on but TV I was like maybe lot. 11. I've probably seen that movie at least 10 times, mm. so I re- I've seen it enough to at least have warm feelings towards it. But you're right, I haven't revisited it in a long time. Anyway, uh, but this episode, right after all of these things get wrapped up, mm. it's a kid reading a dime store novel about Briscoe County, which we've already established exists in this universe. And his dad's like, okay, I'll read you the story. Mm. Well, what about uh, Briscoe and his uh, loyal companion, Lord uh, Lord Bowler? And the kid's like, oh, he he's not a loyal companion yet. Yeah, this is actually before the previous episode. <laughs> and in fact, before they decided to actually team up, it's like... They delayed that episode and kind of <laughs> oh, forgot so to put it somewhere where it made sense. So you think the the Princess Bride episode was like a re-edited existing so. episode? Because okay. the Princess Bride thing doesn't pay off very well. The whole thing is there's, there, a, there's ki- a cute punchline. There's a the cute punchline, but it doesn't pay off. Well, this right. is a reasonably well-written show. Usually if something dangerous on the beginning, it mm. pays off at the end. Like the kid's asking his dad to read him the story about Briscoe County and it's Basically, another episode from before Briscoe and Bowler actually were friends mm-hmm. when they were still competitive bounty hunters, and they're fighting over like who gets the bed at the only hotel in town where there's only one room free, and they fight off this fictionalized version of Ned Kelly, and then at the end of the episode, they're just like, okay, son, and go to bed. How can I get sleep when we're in the Wild West like this? And there's a knock at the door, and it's Briscoe and Lord Bowler, and they're just like... Oh, we thought this was our room. Sorry about that. And they just closed the door. And that's it. And it's cute. Yeah. It's not an unwa- it's not an unwatchable episode, but it really feels like this was an episode where the the scheduling got shifted around a little bit and then this ended up getting pushed back kind of far, but it got pushed back so far in the scheduling that now it no longer makes sense. So we okay. had to add a really quick those two characters never leave that room. You know what? That's if, a really quick if, frame of device. If this was That's a theory, if right? this was a cover edit, it's actually a pretty graceful one because I think it actually so. fits really organically into the the narrative of the show. It feels like a gimmick episode, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like they're it doesn't feel like they're covering their asses. I, I to me it does, but I, 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 I agree that it's pretty graceful. I agree that it's pretty graceful. This yeah. isn't an accusation. I'm not saying they did anything bad. There's mm-hmm. probably a million reasons. If I'm right, yeah, and I think I'm right. But if I'm right, there's a million reasons why that episode could have been delayed that had nothing to do with anyone on the show. It's probably mm. just an oversight or some fucked up thing with the whatever. Well, it doesn't I'll, matter. My point is this. The, they uh, came up with a pretty good workaround mm, and good for them. Yeah, I'll say this. The writing on the show was strong throughout. Agreed. Although it wasn't as strong in the second half. Um, no, it, we because, started getting a lot of filler type episodes. Well, it, it's yeah. not just the, the filler type episodes. It's that they started introducing a lot of new big ideas that felt like a new season. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that this would substantiate your theory that they got more episodes than they, they picked up on. So yeah, we started mm-hmm. introducing a lot of new characters. All of a sudden they're working for the government. Uh, the stories are still good. All of the investigative mm-hmm. stories and the, the relationships between the characters are still really good. Very strong. I think and, it's really uh, important <clears throat> in a show like this. You have to have characters who are in every episode Mm. who have a strong dynamic that where they push each other, Mm. but they don't hate each other. And that's something that they have. Everyone's like, you know, a scene between Briscoe and Socrates pool can be funny. A a scene between Lord Bowler and Socrates pool be funny in a different way. Mm. And I think that they 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 nailed that pretty quick. They also kept on bringing back a lot of the running gags. There was a joke they kept bringing back where it's like, well, we have these two jobs, uh, Briscoe County junior, you have to go, 
catch this these rough and tumble guys who will like eat you if they catch you and that's a really dangerous job and you're gonna hate it and you have to stay out in the desert and briscoe kennedy jr is like fine fine and lord bowler you have this other job where you have to go to the spa and stay at the spa undercover (laughs) where everybody's naked and you're just drinking all the day and just keep an eye out for like this one guy who might show up there okay great and then at the last minute it's like oh wait lord bowler you have to go with briscoe yeah he's like god damn it And that happens like four or five times and they kept those running gags going. So it no. didn't feel like so dramatic a shift that it was a different show. Well, that's the cool thing about the show is that the premise is strong enough that mm-hmm. they have the freedom to do all kinds of different episodes without like making it feel like a cheat. Mm-hmm. There's actually there's a there's a uh, Agatha Christie episode. Which I yeah, think is yeah, actually yeah. my favorite episode. It's, um, oh, what was it called? Is that the one with all of the bounty hunters at the hotel and they're being picked off? Yeah, it's called Bounty Hunters Convention. Yeah. <laughs> the idea is they're holding a convention for bounty hunters. That's it. All of the great bounty hunters uh, are showing up. And it's just a colorful cast of characters. There's the erudite British bounty hunter. There's the old school bounty hunter who's been doing it for years. And it's like everyone's grandpappy. Mm. There's... Uh, the, the, yeah, there's the, the detective. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. There's the high-tech bounty hunter. There's like the young bounty hunter played by a young Jonathan Sheck. Who has oh, got yeah. some... Who, I gotta say... Has Hand, got handsome, some handsome dude, that guy. Some delicious queer energy in this episode. Like <laughs> For he's, sure. He's just like, woof, damn. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, the whole thing is they, they get all the greatest bounty hunters in the West together, and then they start getting killed off one by one mm-hmm. in some pretty gruesome ways. Um, uh, my fa- And uh, in the cl- one of the cliffhangers is they've captured Briscoe County Jr., and they've tied him to... A metal flagpole during a thunderstorm. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. Yeah, and and his solution is he has to climb up to the very top of the pole backwards. Yeah, and he has to very carefully unscrew the big uh, ball ball up at the top and then get his hands off and slide yeah. back down again. Right when the lightning strikes, it's pretty good. Uh, there's also another. They do a Psycho episode where they actually go to the house from Psycho. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, the idea is that Socrates Poole has been kidnapped because Socrates is a lawyer and uh, someone who he prosecuted was executed. Mm-hmm. And now that person is back from the dead and wants to try him and all the witnesses in the trial and murder them. So uh, Lord Bowler and Briscoe County and Whip Morgan have to go <laughs> and forgettable save him. McBlanderson. Completely forgettable. Bless he, the actor. It's such a thankless role. I feel he, so he's bad He's really for the it. worst part of the show. He's so just I, 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 I even like Viva. He's like a goofy cartoon Viva's character. Fun. But yeah. Viva's fun. Particularly in like the last episode when he gets to hang out with Pete and they actually have like a good rapport. No. Which you never think they would and mm. actually works. Like that was cute. But yeah, Whip, they never figure out what to do with Whip. He's just not exciting as a character. In fact, it actually took me a couple episodes mm. to realize realize that was the same character i thought they were just bringing in a new generic character three times mm. in a row and i'm like oh wait that's the same that's whip guy. yeah oh sorry oh. <laughs> but um yeah they they go to this creepy house from psycho and the owner of the house has invented the modern shower and of course they do the mm. shower scene from psycho someone gets like the vertical squirt bath or something they call it the rain fancy. room or the rain something. room yeah. that's right um Vertical squirt bath is from Sam and Max. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that's actually, like, a creepy episode where she's, like, embalmed her own father and is, like, convinced herself. Right, like, right. And they, they literally shoot it at the recreation of the Psycho House on the Universal lot, which they would shoot, like, some of the sequels at. Mm. Um, and the original Bates Motel pilot. 
Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Which we've covered here on Cancel mm-hmm. Too Soon. Um, so yeah, so you can do those kinds of episodes. You can also do the big jokey episodes. You can do the the ridiculous episodes too. And that's again, I think that's another good recipe for a show. Is when you can, without betraying the concept of the show, mm. completely change styles and tones. And that's something that Briscoe County had in abundance. Yeah. They, like they a did, lot of did a lot really, of really, really well. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any other like noteworthy. I mean, there's a ton of like guest stars here, here and there, but I'm trying to think of, um, there was an episode where they had to deal with pirates like in the desert. <laughs> right. That was kind of funny. Which reminded me of Gallivant. Yeah. Where they were land pirates. Gallivant did it better, but they had more time well, to well, work uh, on it. Gallivant was a comedy show yeah. that helped. Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, there's the episode in which Briscoe actually nine episodes in Briscoe actually has to be a lawyer. Which I was like, oh yeah, I forgot he's a lawyer. And, and he, he goes has to, to visit do a, a little fr- bit of like a forensic science in court. Yeah, he actually has to prove like he's like, how do we prove that this guy that this guy who Briscoe knew in school, like how do we prove that he didn't kill this guy, even though he's the only person who had a motive? And he was just like, anyone here ever hear about fingerprints? And everyone's like, no, what are those? <laughs> so that ends up being cute. Um, whole lot of showdowns in the you know the street, a lot of shootouts. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think of I, I don't. I don't want to. We're glossing over the stories. I don't want to uh, give the impression that the stories are kind of forgettable. It's just no. we got a lot of. And there's to cover so here. much, and we just it would take like so long. And frankly, and frankly, and here's the thing, though. As enjoyable as they are, we're 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 bringing out the moments that stand out. Hmm. But I just want to make sure that we're not missing like a truly great episode. I think there's an episode where they run into a whole bunch of mail order brides. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. The Fountain of Youth episode was weird. Oh yeah, they they run aground a, about on a a, bun, a gang of bad guys who all look like '90s supermodels. Like they've got yeah. the long hair and really nice bodies, and they're yeah. all really young. And, and it turns out they shirtless were shirtless all the time. Yeah, yeah. It turns out they were drinking from a fountain of youth. Yeah, or and uh, like this one girl who was like claiming to be this one orb scientist's mm-hmm. daughter was actually his mom, yeah, but she'd she, been drinking the, the juice and she was like doing anything and portraying everyone just to, to stay young. Yeah. Cause you, know, you have to keep to on. Yeah. I've seen that story in a lot of things. I think it works well here. It's yeah. perfectly well. Uh, and, and the twist is really nice that, Oh no, it turns out that's my mom. Yeah. I really like the episode where we actually got to delve into Lord Bowler's backstory a bit. They go to like a town where it's just actually a pretty standard story about a guy running a protection racket and like his illegitimate son or uncle who is actually whip, but uh, is like, you know, trying to get revenge on him. Mm-hmm. But we actually meet like someone Lord Bowler like used to go out with. Mm-hmm. And we find out Lord Bowler's real name. Is it Benjamin? Something like that. Yeah. Actually, don't, I don't remember. Just, well, we never, we only ever call him Lord Bowler. But we find out his real name. We find out he was in the army. And, like, we actually, like, get to see him have, like, a love story. Because it's interesting. Every time love stuff comes up, it's always Briscoe. Yeah. Who gets the smooch. And, and Lord Bowler is always, actually, when it comes to any conversation about romance, he's incredibly romantic and conventional. And he's like, that should be between people who are in love. And I'm like, really, Lord? Okay, that's fine. A little conservative. Yeah. Um, even though we have like a lot of scenes of, uh, of Dixie Cousins and a lot of uh, sort of burlesque dance hall stuff, I'm actually happy how little... How, how well women are treated on the show. Yeah. I said I wish there were more regular female characters other mm. than Dixie Cousins. 
uh, bring back Gene Easton. Yeah, like it's just, just regular. Yeah, like, it's and by regular, regular, we mean like <clears throat> re- recurring, yeah, not like re- normal recur- type re- people. Recurring female characters on the show. Yeah, there's always, but that's the thing is mm. that it's just it's the standard mm. episodic adventure format where the handsome lead goes from town to town, and there's always another woman there to have yeah. chemistry with them, and that's a very macho fantasy. And it's, frankly, it's, it's yeah, it's, tedious. It's, it's an old story trope that we're that we're still clinging on to because yeah. we don't know how to write differently. I liked uh, towards uh, when when Doctor Who got rebooted. Hmm. Uh, Doctor Who was a relatively sexless character for most of the characters' run, or the Doctor was a very sexless well, and, character, and, and still is, right? Sometimes, so, I guess yeah, I know, sometimes no. They introduced and, um, what was her name? River Rain, River Song. River she, Song. Married, she married him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that actually was had a, had a, a, yeah. A, and, the, and there was actually a, a companion he had, Rose, who he actually fell in love with in the hmm. Christopher Eccleston and um, David, David Tennant, Tennant years. Yeah. But um, to, as the series went on, there was actually like more people started responding to the Doctor sexually. And then later, later on, there was a crossover between like various different versions of the Doctor, including the secret Doctor, the John Hurt Doctor, the war Doctor. And when he sees like everyone like kissing like Matt Smith, mm-hmm. he's like, is there, does it start happening a lot? And David Tennant's <laughs> like, it starts happening more, yeah. <laughs> because that's just a bro-y fantasy, and it's pretty crap. Yeah. There's a lot of good roles, actually, I think, for women overall, but they're all mostly required to respond well, to Briscoe very sexually, and it yeah. gets tedious pretty fast. And uh, and of course, Bruce Campbell is is completely graceless in interviews when he talks about this because he he's just a blue he's a, dude. He's a blue collar dude who just likes to kiss chicks. So yeah. uh, he, in in his own language, so he's like, yeah, I got to go to this episode and I had these wonderful scenes with this beautiful actress and I got to lay one on her and that's that's yeah. then that was a good good week for me. Yeah, like that's that was his language. If everyone's having fun. Uh, I guess everyone's having fun. But yeah. we we started like really focusing on the types of behaviors that we normalize in our media. And so it's important to listen. You can totally enjoy this if you want, but I think it's also important to enjoy it while also knowing this is a very macho fantasy. Mm. I was very heartened when I heard Daniel Craig in an interview, actually just say flat out what one of the defining characteristics of James Bond is he's a misogynist. Yeah. Yeah. Like he actually is. He he in no uncertain terms. And, and I've seen people say this, like people who are big Bond fans Mm. who are just like, this one's not a misogynist. And I'm like, well then fucking tell Daniel Craig because he plays the character intentionally as a misogynist because that's in the DNA of that character. I don't think Grace was a misogynist, but like it's still part part of that tradition. Yeah. It's leaking down into a lot of the more modern stuff. Yeah. Uh, James Bond's not a misogynist. Have they seen James Bond movies? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, some are more so than others, but yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like it's... they didn't start addressing that until like the Brosnan era. Yeah, and even then, it was still misogynist. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but they started saying, "Wait a minute, no, you can't do that so much yeah. anymore. That's really sexist your behavior." Yeah. Like um, even through Timothy Dalton, they were still doing that shtick. Briscoe County ends with a big two-part episode, which, as we said, reunites a lot of the minor characters, mostly from later in the mm-hmm. season, but. Also a few from earlier. And, um, and I could barely follow the plot of this. I got uh, so, so bored with it so fast. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually not a good climax no. uh, for the series because it deals with these minor characters and because we already resolved a bigger arc. Yeah. The arc he, with the orb and the science fiction magical father, stuff. He yeah, killed um, we forgot to mention the episode where his father comes back as a ghost. 
and oh, actually and only, helps and him. only Briscoe County Jr. can see him. And he actually interacts with things so we know he's real. And he talks about, I forgot, I can't believe I forgot about this. But like he also says things like, yeah, I'm allowed to come back and help you out, but there are rules to this. And like that's the one time the show goes pure supernatural. Well, I, th- I think they do imply that the orb had something to do with it. Oh, it has something to do with it, yeah, but like still, there's, there's no science psychic energy going but there's on. No, uh, but the implication is that there's some kind of afterlife rules. Yeah. And because he didn't die next to the orb or anything like that. He, mm. he just died on a train and then they buried him. So like, it's not like his body disappeared. There's, this, there's a bit where John Bly gets like sucked into the orb for a while. Yeah. Like that's a plot point. And then he escapes later But that doesn't happen series, to Briscoe's yeah. dad. Briscoe's dad just dies. And maybe the orb has something to do with it because he was like involved in that. But at the same time, that basically implies that there is an afterlife. And if there is an afterlife, then there is something more, for the lack of a better word, supernatural in the universe. Mm -hmm. And they tackle it once and then they never come back to that. Maybe they would later. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, so I digress. They bring back a lot of characters because of... Briscoe and Lord Bowler are tasked by the U.S. government to help with a military action against Mexico. Mm. And then Briscoe and Lord Bowler are in the first episode of this two-parter. They have to defend themselves in a court-martial episode. And if memory serves, I think they actually quote the court-martial episode from Star Trek. But that's not the way it happened. (laughs) Uh, But and then at the end of the episode, they're executed and they die. And then at the beginning of the next episode, we find out they that were they, spirited off. They faked yeah. their death. Those were the uh, Professor Wickwire had just invented rubber bullets. And so that's not how rubber bullets work. But uh, you can't just shoot them out of a pistol like that. They actually got it. They're pretty big. Um, do, do you need a special gun? I think it just put. I think, I think they have to be bigger than that, though. Otherwise, they, they're still being shot out of a gun. Yeah. And, and so they, they still puncture you they well, they don't, they don't, if they're tiny they could pierce they, right they, well they're rubber so they don't puncture you but you're still getting shot with a, a bullet of rubber i, th- I like think the smaller it is rubber think, pellet but if they're bigger the impact area would be larger and you'd absorb like more mm-hmm. of the impact in terms of like because yeah, uh, I, I think you could still like get killed it's like you can still kill someone with a blank yeah that's something if, a lot if of it's movies, right up against your skin yeah because yeah. blanks still shoot stuff mm-hmm. that's that that's yeah. uh the, the tragic end of john hexham in fact he was mm-hmm. playing around with a blank and and yeah. Put put it up to his temple and, ac- and accidentally and uh, hurt yeah. himself. But, and, a fa- uh, and a faulty blank, which actually had a little piece of metal in it, is mm. uh, what killed Brandon Lee. Yeah, yeah. So like, that's and, and not just it's not just like oh, we've invented. I, I don't these... know enough about munitions to yeah. really give details about rubber no, no, bullets, no. but I I, well, thought I I thought they were the same size as bullets. But here's what I they, okay. they they hit you. It still hurts. Oh, and they still hurt like a motherfucker. Yeah. But here's here's okay. Well, here's what I know because. Mm. Uh, if you saw the footage of the v- many uh, uh, demonstrations and protests hmm. earlier this year for Black Lives Matter, when well, the guess, police I guess last re- year now, but well, yeah. well, okay, you're right. But like the uh, the police were using excessive force all over the fucking place, and they were using rubber bullets, and we saw the damage they were doing, and then we were actually hmm. it was on the news they were showing the well, people were bullets like, are pretty fucking big. I don't know if they have to be that big, but I imagine they should be. Otherwise, they could do a lot more damage because they'd be more in a concentrated spot. Mm. But maybe, I don't know. In any case, they invent rubber bullets. They use the rubber bullets. Briscoe and Lord Bowler go on the run because it turns out like one of the generals has like turned on the president. Mm. Who was the president in this series? Who was president uh, in 1993? Or, or eight, eight, 1893. 1893. Grant, sorry. wasn't it? Uh, no, Grant was already long gone. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. 
Was it was it Cleveland? Uh, <laughs> Who was oh, president? We're, we're Americans. In we're Americans, so we don't know. Uh, no, no, it was Grover Cleveland. It was, was Grover Cleveland. Yeah. I, okay, I, was, I, 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 I guess Grover Cleveland. That was yeah, a yeah. Yeah. fist Boom. bump. There. Fist bump. Yeah, <laughs> it was a COVID fist bump. It was like in Demolition Man. Oh, man. Just pause <laughs> in midair. Bonk. We hit the invisible wall. Um, but. Uh, Anyway, so he's going to turn on the president. They're going to start a war with Mexico. And, of course, they stop it. Um, the Pete dies, but he comes back in the next scene, no, like, which I appreciate. The, they, they call Pete to, to the court, and it turns out like he's, he's had a come to God, literal come to God moment. He's like, yeah. oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian now. Yeah, put your hand on the Bible. I brought my own, and it's gigantic. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. Pete's a fun character. He's, and, and he's the, a ridiculous character but he's fun and that that scene reminded me of a lot of uh, sort of moral crusading that was going on in the extreme right in in america in the 1990s yeah. the sort of uh, nascent rush limbaugh sort of ext- the rise of the extreme right was happening at the time and this yeah but the irony of course is that pete actually even though he's not very trustworthy he actually is becoming more of a good guy because they just like that character so much that they've just started making him one which <laughs> well, john piper ferguson is so funny yeah and, and yeah, we, we see in the very first episode what happens when you take his gun and he kind of freaks out when you're touching his gun. Yeah. No, he, nobody touches Pete's piece. And, uh, yeah. And that carries throughout the show. Yeah. It's it's weird, though, because I, I, as they were starting to turn him into, like, in the very last episode, trying to turn him into, hmm. like, a relatively heroic character or at least a heroic adjacent character. Yeah. I started, like, sifting through my mind, like, wait a minute, how many people did he kill in the pilot? You know, just trying to like actually track this because sometimes TV shows will do that. They'll try to turn a character into a hero and you're just like, you actually have some groundwork to cover here because you introduced them to them as a very bad person. Uh-huh. I remember, um, uh, what was I thinking of? There was one, um, prison break had a character in like the first three seasons who was mm-hmm. a monster. Okay. He was a he was a horrible human being killed a lot of people did horrible violating things in prison and then in the last season they're like but he's just one of the gang now and i'm like no he's a monster i you have not won me over to this guy it's not just like because it's five seasons in he's allowed to be a good guy now because he's a member of the cast no you have to do more work than that it's like um and it looks like they're finally going to deal with this in the next Fast and Furious movie. Mm-hmm. But in like when they tried to turn Jason Statham into a good guy, and I'm like, he killed Han. He, he murdered a hospital. He, mur- <laughs> he murdered a hospital. He killed Han like really <clears throat> bad. And now it's like I guess Han might be alive according to the trailers, which is like okay, fine. Sure, me- you should have told us that a long ass time ago because I cannot enjoy this cute scene of him rescuing a baby because we have not res- wrestled with how evil he was presented In when he first movie, appeared. Yeah. So I'm not cool with him just being invited <laughs> to the fucking barbecue. Pete is such a comic character though. He's so broad and funny that even though he's done a lot of evil things, yeah. he doesn't read as an evil guy. He's not like Bly. Mm-hmm. If Bly was like just part of the team, that wouldn't have made any sense. Yeah. Same with MC Ganey. No, he's great. Just an evil guy. I, I watched the MC Ganey actually <clears throat> has this weird come to God <clears throat> moment when he touches the orb and he actually he. Uh, sure his, he has like a whole his episode. soul is cleansed. His yeah. soul is cleansed, and he actually and he even just says like, "Hey, listen, I did a lot of terrible things, and if you arrest mm. me, that's fine. I'll take my punishment. Like, it, but like I, I'm one with the orb now, and I have exposition to give you. Like, mm. that's basically what purpose he serves after a while. Um, so. 
Yeah, it's fine. It's okay with Pete, but I was just, I was just talking about sort of a larger issue yeah. when people try to write those like extended character arcs where someone has like becomes a good guy. They can't just become a good guy. Depending on how bad they were as a villain, mm. they need to actively redeem themselves. And I think that's something that some shows forget to do. You know, mm. it's like to act, depending on how evil they were. Yeah. They might need to actually have some consequence or actually do something to like at the very least balance the ledger okay. before you've got my attention. But Briscoe is mm. so light and silly and Pete's such an over the top character that I don't mm. think it's that bad. Okay. Yeah. Um anyway, the Briscoe County ends with uh <clears throat> the president congratulating Briscoe and Bowler once again on hmm. their uh, great achievement. And he says uh, well, I hope we'll see more adventures from you. And Lord Bowler is just like, maybe after a hiatus. And you realize they were canceled. <laughs> uh, because uh, Fox doubled mm-hmm. down on the X-Files and Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Uh, it, it went was, away. It was the more expensive show. Oh, yeah. And we've run into that before. And the um, ratings were down. <clears throat> what can you do? The ratings were down. Yeah, um, That's what I understand is what happened with the show Rome. Yeah, uh, on HBO, it, it was a hit show. A lot of people were watching Rome. It was really critically acclaimed, mm-hmm. but they had to build a whole fucking city to film it. Mm-hmm. It was really expensive to make. Yeah, like even ha- I think yeah. even more so uh, adjusted for inflation than something like Game of Thrones. Yeah, so they had to put the kibosh on that. Yeah, it um, just wasn't worth the money. We had we this with Almost Human. Almost Human as well. Yeah. And uh, this well, the was, ratings were quite good actually. <clears throat> yeah, and and I got to talk to Michael Ely about this in person. I interviewed him. Said I was a big fan of Almost Human. What happened? He said it was just too fucking expensive. Yeah. The, you, that show needed to be literally the biggest show on television mm-hmm. in order to have any chance of getting renewed. Yeah. Which and means that's just we a have, risk you shouldn't take. We have a well written, incredibly expensive, slick as heck show to enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> it, we don't get a lot of it, but, but it, you get, it's, you, it's a good show. Yeah. It's a good way to sell yeah. Almost Human. And it's a good way to sell Briscoe County Jr. It was too expensive mm-hmm. and the ratings weren't good enough. Yeah. Which means decent production values uh that one if there's just one episode where you notice they're straining against their budget i think that's fine yeah the only thing is if you really watch a lot of it like if you got the dvd set and if, you like, you're mainlining it in a day you're gonna you know? notice pretty quickly that they only have one street that's true they changed the signs fine. a little bit but like after a while it was like Man, this is every fucking city is this one street, isn't it? But they don't do they don't go there every episode. Not every episode, but every episode they go on the street. They go to the same street, and so it happens a lot. That's not the end of the world. I'm not complaining about it. In fact, it's actually very humanizing. I think when you see the creeks, you know, when you see the creases in the episode, it's actually just makes you reminds it reminds you that this is homemade. Yeah. No matter how much money is in it, no matter what stars you get in it. You know, someone had to make this, someone had to solve problems, someone had to actually, you know, make this into a reality, and they didn't have all the money in the world. And so you kind of admire the ingenuity. Um, but yeah, this is, a, this is a very cute show. Uh, and if it had continued, we would have gotten a lot of it, wouldn't we? We would have gotten more guest stars, we would have gotten more episodes mm. that remind us of popular movies of the day, we would have gotten more, like, oh, there, I'm trying to think was, of, like, There was how- no shortage of, like, pop culture references yeah. and as technical anachronisms. I'm trying to imagine it going on into the 90s and thinking about like how they would have handled like how they would have introduced the internet. Oh, like yeah. computer ideas like and who, kind of junior. Like I've invented the first pager. Like, ooh. Like I'm trying to think of how they would have actually tackled it. It would have been like things. a telegraph sort of thing. It's like, oh, this is just, it it's appears tele- instantly it, over there. It's, it's a yeah. telegraph in my pocket. There like, you how go. Do you have that? 
Yeah, uh, like Wick Wire. Like he'd have this big like wiry backpack yeah. and have like a colander on his yeah. head. Look, I can get messages this way. Yeah, and it's like he's mm. actually just like connected to the telegraph room, mm. like over there by really long wire. Here, here's my, here's a question. So partway through season one, they actually had to start season two, and that's they changed the premise to now he works for the government. That's the that's that, how it that's, plays. That's yeah. kind of like season two. Um, what sort of twists in that regard, like what sort of premise changes do you think this show would have had to run into? Well, point? I actually heard what they were talking about with season two, mm-hmm. um, was that Briscoe would actually become a sheriff somewhere and stay put a little bit and Ooh, like have okay. him and like Dixie cousins actually like be, cause the thing with Dixie is that she's not in every episode mm-hmm. and they sometimes strain to find a way to keep her around or they strain to find a way to get rid of her so he can still smooch other people. Yeah, I and I this there was one episode where um he admitted his love for Dixie Cousins, and I think like two episodes later he had this like one off romance again. He's had a couple. No, he yeah, had and, several smooches since, and it's yeah, like, it's like mm. either you shot these out of order or you're just not thinking this through. I I think it's just a matter of Dixie's off doing her own thing, and they don't have like a huge commitment. But and I appreciate that she has her own thing. Yeah, I mean, that's she's fine. got her own story and art. And she's, she's always a series a fun about her, and it would be fine. I, I was glad by the end of the the series when they started giving her a few more songs because she only ever had one song. I'm going to stake my claim, which I think was a Marilyn Monroe song. Oh, was Um, it? I heard it was like from a Marilyn Monroe movie. I don't know that for a fact, though. But um, regardless, every time we saw her, she played the same song. And I'm like, ooh, get another song. Come on. It's got to be something. It's got to be something public domain we can use. Come on. Um, But uh, yeah, the implication I had heard was that uh, it was going to maybe, and I imagine this might have been a budgetary thing, like the world would have had to come to them a little more often. Rather okay. than them constantly going out to like different adventures all the time, I, I guess that's a good way to save some money. Although, I think although that that, that, that is, would be an issue. That's a little change in the spirit of the show, though. The sort of adventuring across the whole of the West. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, that's just what I heard. I don't uh-huh. know how true it is, but um, regardless, it seemed like what they were trying to do was build more of an ensemble cast. And frankly, pass. We don't really need, we don't need Br- the we, Briscoe Bowler, Socrates Pool, Dixie Cousins. You have that, your dynamic. It's all there. That's it. If you occasionally. You got four and the yeah. central four is fine. And I'm, I'm okay if you have like the occasional recurring guest star. If you want to bring in Viva or, mm. or Pete once in a while, fine. Mm. No one wants Whip. <laughs> no one no, wants Whip Whip, 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 Whip was a mistake. A huge, Whip Morgan was a mistake. He doesn't contribute anything. He doesn't mm. add anything. If you're going to bring in a character, you need to add something. Like Pete and Viva yeah. at oh. least have a particular energy. Oh god, what what was the name of that hor- horrible dickhead in the Tremors series? Yeah, that nerdy guy the, who the, replaced this, Michael Gross in the last few seasons. Yeah, or last like two episodes. Or last two episodes. Sorry, yeah, yeah, like yeah. That, like Michael Gross wasn't in the last two episodes, and they got this like weenie guy who yeah. is just not interesting. Who was at supposed all. to represent the fans, and boy was that yeah. like a punch oh, in the God. face to fans. Whit Morgan like, reminds you fans. Whit Morgan is that guy. Oh no, he's not that guy. Yeah, he's no, because yeah. that guy is bring, actively bring annoying. Back, bring back Lord Bowler's uh, love interest. Please. Yeah. Bring back uh, the Schwenke sisters. Uh, and the, yeah, have them be regulars on the show. Yeah, they're fun. You know, because they, they bring in A, they have a skill set. They're mm-hmm. like they're they're metallurgists and they know German, they're from Europe. Maybe mm-hmm. that could be a good uh, tie-in. But also, they have, like, they have a different energy. They're a different comic entity. Hmm. And that kind of larger-than-life character really works for that. So that's something I'd like to see. It's just make sure if you have these recurring characters, make sure they're broadly drawn. Because, yeah, just generic hunk dude. Just 
There, he has nothing. You, he you has, don't need a it, generic it, hunk when your lead is already handsome and charming. It's like it's like sending like okay. It's like it's like you're watching the movie The Raid, mm. and everyone's just like jumping out of like apartments to just beat up eco Uace and then like all of a sudden <clears throat> after he's fought like 50 guys with like pointed sticks and knives mm. there's just like one guy just sort of walks out with like a nerf sword and he's just like it's like why are you even here <laughs> Why are you even he, here? You're not he did, doing anything. He doesn't kill the show. Luckily, he doesn't kill the no, show. No, but he, but but he he's is the worst element whenever, of he's it. He's dead yeah. air whenever he's in. Yeah. The one episode where he actually like has a storyline around him, at least he's contributing something to the plot. Mm. But they keep bringing him back, and I cannot for the life of me figure out why. Oh, like, okay. is he someone's nephew? Like, what is... You just... I don't... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure the actor's fine. Just a badly mm. written character. It sucks. Yeah, um, if you're going to have that character, at least make him interesting, like Viva, who's yeah. this weird Elvis impersonator in the middle of the Old West. Yeah. That's and, a weird idea. Run with that. There's this weird bit in that episode where he's got, like, this friend who I thought was going to be, like, Elvis's, like... You know, Elvis, what, what was the Elvis's like uh, manager's name? Like the general or something? Oh, God. Something like the that. Colonel. Yeah. The colonel. Like, the colonel. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, and it was going to be like, oh, like, oh, maybe that's Elvis's the colonel. And he'll be like, yeah, Viva's done his job now. We have to move into the next generation. And they just sort of vanish into like a big puff of magic <laughs> or whatever. And then it just turns out he's just like quantum leaping around mm. and doing what Elvis needs to do in this generation. And then in the 50s, he was a singer and that was important. <laughs> and then in like the 2020s, I don't know, maybe he'll be a politician or a doctor or something. Quant- I don't quant- know. I would watch the hell out of quantum Elvis's quantum leap. Right? Series. <laughs> I thought that's where they were going for a minute. It turns out no, it's just some guy. And and he's he's uh you know like I said he's big on food. He's always eating and yeah. getting these huge meals. Uh, and I appreciate the production design because the food they gave him was actually like good looking food. Yeah. No, there's a bit where he bribes a guard to bring him a really nice meal on a tray. It's like oh this is really nice. Hey where's the bacon? Give me that five bucks back. <laughs> it's like he gets money back because the guard ate his bacon. <laughs> It was a cute little bit. <laughs> it was a cute bit. But no, I think I think I mostly I just want to see like maybe other anachronisms. Just see like mm. what you could bring in. I like the idea of bringing in like different characters or different energies that mm. you wouldn't normally get with the Western. But you know, I don't. I'm not in the writers' room. I'm not getting paid for this. You well, want to you want to pay me to come up I'm with more Briscoe County episodes? I will happily take that hey, money. Me. But hey, no. hey, if if you know Disney owns Fox, I guess they own this show now. Uh, oh, shit, Disney you're right. Disney Plus can just hire us to write the. Reboot. Actually, this would make a good animated series. Well, we already talked about the animated animated adventures of Comet. Well, yeah, but I actually think like imagine like Briscoe County done like Clone Wars style, mm-hmm. like that could be actually like pretty good. I guess so. Like yeah, a, like an animated at Western adventure with this kind of vibe, like mm-hmm. just in that Lucasfilm kind of tone. And, and you can this totally feels like a Lucasfilm kind of joint uh, anyway. Like I'd yeah, be fine with uh, that. Julius Carey, Carey has sadly passed on, sad, but. Yeah. Uh, you, Bruce Campbell would come back. Campbell, sure and again, the with the voice, you can you don't, you don't even need to recast him. Mm. So, boom. Problem yeah. solved. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah get, get the whole cast back. It, you'd have to find somebody to replace Julius Carey. But, I, just, uh, yeah. I just think you need, like, one, like, really good animation producer who's been doing enough that they, they get, like, the Pitch a Dream project. And they just mm. got to say, hey, you own it. Let's just do Briscoe. Everyone likes yeah. Briscoe. That's Everyone a, likes Briscoe. Briscoe, there's a reason it's one of the most commonly, other than Firefly, mm. it's probably been the single most requested show we've ever done on the show. Yeah, for sure. Because even, a lot of people didn't watch it, obviously. 
but nobody who watched it near as I can tell didn't like it. People, some people liked it more than others, but I've never heard someone say, you know what show sucked? Briscoe County. No one yeah. I've ever heard it, say that. It is like, you know, enamored as sort of a cult object of people of a certain age, people yeah. our age. So well, the, our peers, the, the yeah. people we talk to are, are the ones who are really fond of it. It hasn't really lasted into the consciousness, though. No. It just uh, beyond people in, our age. A lot of, it, it's uh, on every list of shows that were canceled too soon, mm. but like other than that, it just doesn't but Yeah, the, the mythology often. of this show, uh, people like who are Bruce Campbell fans are into like cult cinema and cult horror movies, maybe know the title, but I haven't talked to uh, you know people in their 20s or their teens even who have any kind of working knowledge about the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it's not it's, it's not in reruns. Yeah, there was never and, like a movie reboot or anything. And, it, or... and it, I imagine watching it today, it would feel a little bit dated because it is that episodic structure, yeah. and because it does have that kind of light, jokey sensibility that uh, was of its time. Sure. And I'm not really sure if a lot of people could get on its wavelength anymore. Think... I'd be curious if somebody, if a teenager, if somebody mm-hmm. in high school watched this show and could really like really get into it. I've actually found that a lot of like younger people. Mm-hmm. Um, who I've talked to or have been following on Twitter or whatever have been like rediscovering some of the, I mentioned it earlier, the pulp superhero boom of the nineties uh, mm. where for whatever reason, after Batman 1989 came out, all the other movie studios were like, Oh, people like superheroes that were from the thirties. Yeah, people yeah. like heroes that were created in the thirties and forties. It wasn't like, Oh, people like superheroes. Let's just adapt more comics. It was like, no well, people like specifically a thirties vibe. So well, keep in mind that, that 1989 film was, very 40s feeling oh. it was very film noir inflected absolutely so. i'm not saying it's and ridiculous I, I just think it's so, interesting yeah. that no one people were that was onto like mythology yet but people really mm. glommed on to the style and that mm. led them to different projects that had that style ingrained within them like the shadow the shadow like, and tracy yeah exactly and and a lot of movies hold up really great and what i have found is that a lot of younger people are discovering for the first time or watching maybe for the first time since they were really little kids stuff like Dick Tracy or mm. The Phantom or The Rocketeer and actually saying, I really like these. Yeah. They've yeah. got a good tone. They're a little larger than life, but they feel like a comic book mm. in a way that sometimes these more grounded like, movies yeah, they don't. They feel like comics from an earlier era yeah. than, than the movies are referencing now there's something infectious about the sort of and this isn't technically a swashbuckler but it, it's got the vibe of a swashbuckler yeah that's yeah. sort of you know handsome men wielding either swords or revolvers going ha ha and and they're, they're confident and capable and they're riding they're hum- horses and, and they're, they're saving they uh, human the flaws but they you know they're gonna live at the end of the day yeah there's something just very cheerful about it and whether it's the princess bride or the mask of zorro or mm-hmm. to a lesser extent even the pirates of the caribbean movies People like that. Kind of what that was going for. Especially the first one. But like that vibe, that's a good vibe. And I think that vibe persists. And while sometimes people might, you know, chortle at differences in production values or acting styles or whatever, I think that old fashioned daring do, Mm -hmm. if if done well, I think it's I think it reads as timeless. Okay. So I think something like Briscoe, like you watch it now, you'd be go like, oh, it's a shame it doesn't like look a little better. You know, it's a shame but, maybe. But it was the slick at the time. It was yeah. slick at the time, but you know, it's of its time now. There's nothing mm-hmm. we can do about that. It's a shame it's on widescreen, that kind of thing. But, and that's just modern sensibility. Looking back, you might go, oh. But I actually think if you watch this for the first time today, I think you might say to yourself, this reads as a little naive. 
maybe a little juvenile once in a while, like made more for kids. Mm. But it's actually charming and affable. It's and funny. funny. Yeah. It's pretty funny. The characters are pretty strong. <laughs> there is some unfortunate racism, which sucks. However, there's unfortunate racism in a lot of pulp culture properties that we still have around. Yeah. Or at the very least, it's in the past. And we either have reckoned with it or we have not. And we've just moved on and tried not to dwell on the past. Mm. So there's a few episodes of Briscoe County where people, especially Chinese people, aren't treated with the utmost respect. That sucks. But mostly it holds up real well. Yeah, yeah. Now the question, though, is, mm-hmm. was it better than Legend? It's a bit of, uh, these are easy things to compare. Yeah. Legend and Briscoe County Jr. Legend came to right after this. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, it was the UPN, the UPN version, version of Briscoe County. County Jr. It starred, um, <clears throat> um, oh, sorry, MacGyver. Richard Dean Anderson. Richard Dean Anderson. Yeah. And it actually had a cleaner setup, I thought, where, uh, Richard Dean Anderson was an author of, like, dime adventure novels. Mm-hmm. Who wrote himself into the stories. Who wrote himself into the stories and then was suddenly required in the actual Wild West to play the character he wrote in his books. That's actually a pretty good setup. And he teams up with John Delancey, Q from Star Trek, to be his own Professor Wickwire. And we did that a couple of years ago now and canceled too soon. And I'm going to tell you right now, Legend is also good. Legend is also good. Like and, rock uh, solid. They're, yeah, they're both these sort of steampunk westerns. I think I like Briscoe County Jr. more. Mm. I just, I think the I, I like Bruce Campbell better than I like Richard Dean Anderson, which is no mm. slight on Richard Dean Anderson. Yeah, but how many people um, are, are Bruce Campbell? Like I, I think one, really. I, I liked the broader set of characters on mm. Briscoe County Jr. I liked the science fiction element of Briscoe County Jr. It was just a much more varied show. And it, it was a little kookier, and I appreciated that. I, if I, you like your westerns to be a little bit more grounded and your mm-hmm. steampunk to actually take place in the real world, go with Legend. And uh, even then, it's not that real world. But like, but I actually, it, 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 it's way more than Briscoe County Junior, which has orbs and anachronism. I, I I think they I think it, it's unfortunate that Briscoe, even though it's relatively obscure by today's standards, mm. um, has taken all the air away from Legend. Because Legend at least deserves to be remembered, too. That's true. And it's also a one-season show. It also had a lot of promise, a lot of really good episodes. Um, as much as I love John Aston, I actually think John Delancey had a better character. In terms of well, the mad scientist character, I think he just John, was a more interesting... John Aston was, yeah, this like kooky mad scientist, whereas yeah. John Delancey was a real character. He was yeah. the co-lead of the show. Like, I feel like if you just put John Delancey in Briscoe, mm. or if you put, like... Bruce Campbell and um, Julius Carey in Legend. Mm. I think then you got the perfect show. Okay, just the, just just the, they they both complement each other pretty well. But right. I actually think like if you watched Briscoe and you're like, it's a shame there wasn't more. Watch Legend, you'll get a little more. Okay, and Legend is um, I'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere, but it was released on DVD and it might be out of print now. But it's also not in very high demand, so I imagine it's pretty easy to pick up. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, the other question we have to ask, which we haven't been able to ask in a long time, <laughs> was the Adventures of Briscoe County can- uh, Jr. canceled too soon? Yes, it was. Oh. It was definitely canceled too soon. That's a shame. Uh, and not just because I liked it at the time, and I was upset to hear it be canceled, and I had some old memories of all oh, this wistful, wistful news of hearing that this show that I liked and was watching while it was airing was canceled. Mm. No, I think there's still a lot of a lot of potential for this show. I think mm. they could have gone kept on going with the the charm that they had 
I don't feel like they were running out of steam. They changed the premise a little bit, mm. but the strong elements were still there. I think it's important that you allow the premise to change a little bit. Like the mm. Bly story was over. What, we, what are we yeah. going to do? We got to do something. They're so they keep changed Bly around bit. forever. And yeah. Yeah, okay, maybe they'll bring, bring Bly back in like season four. It's a time like travel. You can come yeah. up with a younger version of him. Who cares? But like, yeah. Here, here's Bly and he's 10 and he's still an evil guy. Whatever. Yeah. That would have been fine. But um, I, I'm a little torn because this might be the situation where... It, maybe one season was enough. Because, yeah, oh, you know? oh, okay. Yeah. You know, maybe that maybe the one season you got like cuz you started to feel him strain a little bit. Hmm. But um I ultimately think that in the end there were so many other shows that were so much more generic that have very similar sort of financial setup. Look at look at how long Dr. Quinn lasted. It lasted hmm. forever. It's like 14 seasons. Or I'm not begrudging it at all, but like it was also a Western and it lasted a while. And like, so why couldn't we, if we have to drop the budget down a little, so be it. Why couldn't we do that for Briscoe? Like, and I think if Briscoe had lasted longer, people mm. would have actually been, would have had the time to find it. Yeah. You know, like people have been like, cause the, again, the X-Files didn't hit its stride ratings wise for a couple of seasons. Mm hmm. Briscoe started strong, but you know, went down a little bit. And I think it's sort of thing like if people like sort of hung out with it, they would have eventually appreciated where it had been and maybe would have found that audience. Yeah. So I guess, I guess I, the I, only, uh, the only balance was it cost more than the X-Files. It was an expensive show. Mm-hmm. The X-Files was more talked about after a while. It was hitting like a zeitgeist. It was hitting the tone we were going for. That might also be the thing where the X-Files was what Fox wanted to be right now. Whereas, a little more dark and dour. Yeah, and... like, they, well, not even dark and dour, just edgy. And oh, I feel like even though we we played that clip where they were like, um, you know, it's the Western Fox style. It's actually not Fox style. Fox wasn't cute. No, Fox was trying is... to be edgy. Fox was trying to be subversive. Fox was trying to be sexual. Not sexy. Sexual. Mm-hmm. Body raunchy, body raunchy, violent, and that just wasn't this. Maybe, maybe if this show had been on like CBS Mm. at the time, CBS was portrayed as a little bit more uh, family friendly in its programming. Maybe if it had skipped networks, maybe if this Mm. was on like HBO or something. But granted, it was pretty early for big budget programming on HBO, but they still had shows. Mm. So maybe it would have worked even better there. But uh, in any case. Yeah, I, I had the mullet over, but I think it was canceled too soon. It's okay. definitely just too good not to be. Yeah. Um it's not my favorite show we've ever covered. I think it's a little unwieldy at times, but it's a really good show. And I'm glad we finally got around to it. And I'm glad we finally got canceled too soon, back on track, and we will be back real fucking soon. Mm-hmm. Because finally, after all this time After all this pro- all our promises. Suddenly last season is returning. That is the uh, monthly-ish event. So, like, whether it's actual month, it's going to be about four episodes, uh, where we look at shows that were canceled in the most recent season of television. So within the last year, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, these are shows that lasted only one season or less. And uh, we're going to get started with a show that basically as soon as it was canceled, everyone was just like, you're doing this, right? And we're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's no way we're not. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to be talking about Marvel's Hellstrom. Uh, the... The second incredibly short-lived and not talked about MCU TV series. Yep. Uh, This was a series that they were trying to get into the horror realm and see if maybe Mm -hmm. that could work on Hulu. And uh, no one one cared. 
But we're gonna what well, we care, damn it, and we're gonna watch it and decide and, uh, who was canceled too soon. And this is gonna be exciting because I read those comics. Um, I, that that is, I read the '90s version of those comics. Uh, I'm familiar with the character, but I don't know if I ever actually sat down and Hel- read. Yeah, the Hellstrom comics. is based on a character that was invented in the '70s called the Son of Satan, and the Son of Satan was the Son of Satan. Yeah. In no uncertain terms. Little devil hair and red eyes and a big pentagram on his chest. Red, a, red cape ca- and no shirt. A, carried a pitchfork. It was a stupid ass character. Yeah. And then they rebooted it in the 90s as this goth kind of broody the crow type character. Yeah. We had like still no shirt, but like an open trench coat and long hair over his face. And, yeah. And they called him Hellstorm. Did they actually call him Hellstorm instead of Hellstrom? <clears throat> in the comics, his name was Damon Hellstrom. But because of a printing error on a plaque he was having uh, having done, it came out as Hellstorm. Oh. So he changed his name to Hellstorm. And that was the name of the comic, was Hellstorm. Well, but this show, they precious. went back to Hellstrom. Cute. Well, we're going to be reviewing that. And yeah. uh, the rest of the episodes of this month's, uh, or you know, this coming set of episodes, suddenly last season, will be selected via poll. Mm-hmm. That's at least three polls in a row. And then uh, that will be over at our Patreon, patreon.com slash... Critically acclaimed network, and uh, every single member of our patron, of our patron, of our Patreon, <laughs> from one dollar uh, a month upward, get to vote in our polls. So you can vote for that and other future episodes of our show. We also have a lot of other exclusive content, including uh, all our yesterdays, where we talk even more about Star Trek, <laughs> Holy Batman, where we review every single episode of the live action Batman series from the nineteen sixties. We're doing commentary tracks. Uh, we're doing uh, podcasts about the Oscars, podcasts about. Uh, Disney stuff that is not on Disney Plus, and a whole bunch of other stuff besides. So very, 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 very special thank you to every single one of our patrons without whom this show and none of our other shows would exist. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. This is a new year. This is a revitalized year. Whitney and I are 100% committed to getting this podcast exactly where we want it to be. Mm. We've been talking maybe about doing something on YouTube, something like actually like on video this year, something on YouTube. We've been talking about doing more, uh, more live shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, we'll, we'll see what we can put in the pipeline because we have a lot in mind. We want to get it all to you as as best we can. We're nothing if not ambitious. Sometimes our, our ambition has exceeded, has exceeded our grasp, but but we're committed to, which frequently happens, which frequently happens, but basically we're at a point now where we're really sick and tired of not being able to do what we want to do. Mm. So we're going to really bust our ass this year to make this everything we want it to be. And we hope you enjoy it too. And so there's going to be a lot of programming, a lot of content. Um, we've got, you know, guests we want to bring on and all kinds of stuff. And I'm just super excited about it. I really want 2021 to be our year. Yeah. So, uh, thank you everybody. And, and yours again. as well. Yes. Dear, dear listeners. We're incredibly grateful for you for being here. We know that the last year has been hell for everybody uh, and that you wanted to spend so much of it with us just means the whole world to us. And thank you, everybody who wrote in. You can write in letters at critically acclaimed.net is the email address. Um, sorry, letters at critically acclaimed not is the email address, not you can write in letters. That'd be weird. Mm-hmm. Um if you want to talk to us about anything, stuff we discussed in this episode, um, stuff we discussed on our other podcasts, other questions you have about film, television, the industry, pop culture, actual culture, like anything, you, that's, <laughs> that's a fallacy, but you know what I mean? Like anything you want to talk mm-hmm. about, letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We might read your email on an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail. Uh, we also have a Twitter. We're at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And, uh... 
Jeez, I think that's it. That's all we got. God, it's good to do cancel too soon again. <laughs> it Thanks feels again. good. I love to Thank just you. ramble about these TV the, shows. This 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 was this was where we started really, and mm-hmm. so it means a lot to us to be back to it. And we're not going anywhere. And the show is definitely. Uh, going to be back on the regular rotation. So thank you everybody for your patience. Thank you everybody for your support. And that is a wrap. We'll see you next season soon.